You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to a very special edition of the After Chat. I'm Josh Chernoff. He is Bill After. And this past Saturday, we were all in. And we were also Starcasters. Yes, we were. Starcast. Yeah. Before we get to all in, we're going to give you a recap. You guys are going to hear uh, a bunch of backstage interviews that we were able to do uh, at the press conference. But we need to talk about. Starcast. So the first thing that I want to do, you know, this was this was a tryout, so to say. This is the first time that Conrad Thompson, the guy, as you know, who's uh, the podcast, he's the Vince McMahon of podcast, as far as I'm concerned. He's sure. got Bruce Pritchard's podcast. He's got the Bischoff one. He's got the Tony Schiavone one. But I want to thank Conrad because, you know, he had a crew. He had a, a whole huge crew of people that took very good care to make sure that all the fans, the wrestlers, and us were all where we had to be at the right time. And it was run for someone who's done this for the first time. I mean, this is a huge, absolutely huge undertaking. Mm-hmm. I thought it went really smoothly. Yeah, I thought so too. And I know, you know, I spoke to uh, some of that crew over the weekend and even Conrad himself and everybody had kind of, you know, they were obviously having challenges that we weren't seeing. Um, but to me, that just spoke to how well it went, the fact that a lot of the fans and even people who were uh, there for panels and whatnot weren't necessarily aware of whatever these problems were that they were having because problems would come up and they were taking care of them so quickly. Yeah. Um, Dave Hancock, who works with Hey Hey Social Media, who we use, he was fantastic. Dave Silva, um, anyone named Dave, I guess, yeah, they, you know, they, they were, were all, all there. Um, but no, those guys were great. Uh, they took care took of us real well. And also, Atlas Security. Oh man, they were oh, fantastic. My buddy Ronnie and the the Red Joe and the the whole crew. Uh, anytime I needed anything, they were like, whatever you know, you want to diet coke. I mean, they were security. They were security. Yes. But they looked after me like. I was one of them, and, and I am actually. And at one of Atlas Security? I am, I yeah. can see you're wearing the uh, turtleneck, the black uh, yes, turtleneck. Yes. And, uh, I'm an honorary Atlas Security member because oh, I've known those guys forever. And you know what? It was a great thing because that they brought them in as the security well, force. They were the ECW security. Well, I know that, ECW. Uh, <laughs> and they are celebrities in their own right. Yeah. They really are. Yeah, there was, and that was what was so cool about StarCast was all the way to the security themselves, it really was a shout-out to the past, to wrestling's past. Yeah. Um, one of the highlights for me was meeting Dave Milliken, uh, who does the belts for the WWE and has done belts for WCW. Oh, and he's done them for everybody. everybody. Actually, he and Reggie Parks handcrafted the Cal Championship Office Wrestling belt that hangs proudly when it's not around my waist mm-hmm. in After's Alley. And it can hang proudly around your waist in T-shirt form. Go to theafterchat.com, click on Merch, and you can get the Cal Championship Belt yep. T-shirt. Um, there you go. I got that in. Got a little plug you in did. there in our you bonus did. But before we, we before we talk about Dave Milligan, uh-huh. uh, I want to mention that one of the cool things here was we were in the green room quite, yes. quite a bit, mm-hmm. and it was great to be in there 
with wrestlers that were going on to uh, various panels, um, press conference. Yeah. And you got to meet a lot of people you never met before. I did. It was you? great. For, the whole weekend was great because I got to meet a number of people that I'd never met. Um, and I got to catch up with some people that I had known uh, for years, which was great. Um, so who was from people you've never met in the wrestling business? Mm -hmm. Who was the biggest pop for you to meet? Oh, man, that's... That's tough. You know what? Um, you got to answer it. The I'm trying to think chat. back to, you know, this is another thing that talks about how amazing this uh, this weekend was that I have to go through my head and say, okay, met Scott Hall. That was cool. But was that the best one? Hey, like in what, in what world do you meet Scott Hall and then go, yeah, but that may not have been the coolest one. You no, know? no. you can, yeah, Don't awesome. don't you dare say if he's listening to this podcast. So the answer is Scott Hall. Scott Hall okay, was the yeah. absolute coolest. Yeah. No, but you know what? Actually, Scott Hall was, uh, that was really, that was cool because I wasn't expecting that because that was backstage at All In. No, I've met. Um, I've right met outside the gorilla position there, um, which was already the coolest thing. And to go from, that was a neat experience. And, and again, embodies the entire weekend. I had just finished speaking with Matt Jackson from yeah. the Young Bucks. Yeah. Um, very briefly before the show started, congratulating him in advance and um, real brief conversation. Turn around, and there's Scott Hall. Yeah. Hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. You know, and it's like how you can go from today's the top of today's current uh, wrestlers to then go to the people that I grew up watching. Sure. It was just sure. really amazing. But so no, Scott Hall was great. Scott Steiner. Was another one. I'm cutting you off here, but you had, I'm trying to answer this question. Scott Steiner was another one for me. I was a huge fan. Didn't exactly give me uh, a ton of energy in, in the interview that I did that you can find. Uh, go to theaptochat.com, click on YouTube, and you'll find that. Um, but he had a lot of interesting things to say about the WWE. Uh, he did. But what product. I want to tell you is everybody thinks that I know and I've met everybody in pro wrestling. Yeah. This was the first time I ever met Kenny Omega. Never oh, yeah. met him before. Me too. <laughs> yeah, really, really. Well, you and I have met before, but uh, it was amazing because I've watched him on Access TV. I've seen a lot of his matches online, and we got together. I said he knew who I was, and mm -hmm. I knew who he was, obviously. And I said to him, "Have we ever met, like in your rookie days or anything?" He said, "No." He said, "I don't think so." And even though I don't work for Pro Wrestling Illustrated anymore, mm -hmm. it was a thrill for me to find out that he already knew that he was the number one guy in the PWI 500 because I found out that Jim Ross broke it to him. Uh, the people at PWI had arranged with Jim Ross to call podcast. him. Yeah, yeah, but it was like when Ross called him, it was 7 a.m. in the morning, I think, Japanese time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but it was very cool to meet this guy that is so revered by so many Mm -hmm. Fans, I mean, did you see the lines for him and for the Young Bucks and for Cody and Brandy? Yeah, which wasn't surprising. I mean, that's that's what these people were there for. You know, they were there for All In, and uh, and it's almost like everything they got at Starcast was cherry on top. These people were coming for All In, no matter what. They were coming for Kenny Omega. They're coming for Cody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the lines were uh, they they were long, and and I think everything about this weekend I think exceeded the expectations of the people who were presenting. I this want to weekend. explain something, please, because there are some people that said, you know what, I got it when I got back to the hotel room. I was part of the press conference, mm -hmm. and it was arranged that I was going to give Cody and the Young Bucks the all-in belts yes. that Dave Milliken had made. Mm -hmm. 
Great belts. Did you see those belts? Amazing. Yep. Absolutely beautiful. So when I came out to make my speech there, I said that in the music industry, the Jacksons changed the entire genre of music. Mm -hmm. In wrestling, Dusty Rhodes changed the entire genre of pro wrestling. So tonight, the Jacksons are making a statement here in pro wrestling. Yeah. They're changing pro wrestling. Cody is changing wrestling, just like his dad did. So people were saying, you know what? It took me a minute to realize that the Young Bucks names are Matt and Nick Jackson. And then I went back in the room. Oh, I got it. Oh, man. That was brilliant. Yeah. But I didn't think I, their name was Matt and Nick Buck. You were, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, I, I did get, as you know, I got to get my Dusty Rhodes uh, imitation. You in did. As a matter of fact, after Chatters, if you, haven't, uh, if you haven't seen this, if you weren't there and you didn't watch it on Fight, uh, first of all, I encourage you to watch it on Fight. Uh, yeah. It's a free plug. They're not, they're not sponsoring. Uh, but it was that good. And uh, so not only did Bill get to do the Dusty Rhodes impression, but then when Cody came out, Cody actually asked him, hey, can you do the impression? Bill said, oh, I already did it. He said, do it again. Yeah, well, so I, I, I messed up. I messed up. I said uh, Starcade. You did. Instead of Starcast. Yeah, you're and like Cody Hogan, ran Hogan over. with a, yeah. yeah. Cody ran over and he said, you said Starcade. So then I went into, of course I said Starcade, baby, because my boy, my little boy <laughs> Cody here, who's now the American nightmare, if you will, and then I went through, yeah, that, that whole thing. I, did, I thought the segment went over really well. Yeah, so, it was definitely a, a, a Superdome, Silverdome moment for well, you. thank you. But, yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Superdome, Silverdome. Nobody will ever forget that. No. Then, of course, the Andy Kaufman. Uh, yes. It was 9 o'clock in the morning, so we only had – we didn't have a lot of people there. No, but uh, you know what? I think it was better to have a smaller group who you were, were all really interested. I was there. Calvin, um, our tech guy. Calvin was, was there. there. Yeah, special uh, shout-out thank you to Calvin Tan for yeah, helping us really, out uh, really. doing the, the video and audio. Uh, literally could not have done those interviews without him. So, Technical genius. Uh, yes, he is. Yes. Yes, he is. Yes. Um, all right, that's enough putting Calvin over. But we did. But the, <laughs> but the uh, Andy Kaufman, remembering Andy Kaufman, um, me, Dutch Mantel, Mm-hmm. And uh, Jerry the King Lawler, yes, and a cameo appearance by Jeff Jarrett and Tony Clifton, the alter ego of Annie Kaufman, yeah, and really well played by Nick Houseman. Boy, yes, I mean be- better than Bob's mood. It does it. I'm, I'm, I am here to tell you that I've seen them both do it in person. Mm-hmm. Houseman blows the mood away. Mm. Really does, really does. But the beginning of that thing, um, people or encouraging Jerry Lawler to break my neck with a pile driver. Were you one of them? Uh, I was maybe leading the pack. Were you really? No, I was, uh, <laughs> no, I thought it, it was really, it was great. Uh, again, for those of you who didn't see it, Bill came out uh, with a neck brace on, uh, a la Andy Kaufman, and, um, or Kaufman, as you would say. Yes, I'm a New Yorker. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I came out there and kind of cut a promo on the crowd and, and on everybody, and Jerry Lawler came out to, to shut you up, went for the pile driver, and, and then every, everything calmed down. Well, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett, yeah, he wouldn't let them. Wouldn't let them. Do no, that. no. And then uh, what, what else? Was it? Well, Wrestle Crap panel. You weren't at that one, were you? I was. Oh right, you were at Wrestle Crap. I was at Wrestle Crap. So they wanted to know. They showed me some of the old wrestling covers, mm-hmm. uh, the famous wrestling covers, and the the best one was uh, 
Kamala with Hulk Hogan's head on, head a, on a spear. Head on a spear, yeah. And they asked me originally, you know, how did we do this? So th- one of the guys there said, oh, it must have been the art department and all that. And R.D. Reynolds, thank you, R.D., it was great to meet you. R.D. Reynolds goes, hell no, we want to know the real story of this thing. <laughs> so, of course, uh, the story was that they flew me with Kamala to Uga- to find Kamala in Uganda. Yeah. And we Deepest, darkest down. Africa. Yeah, yeah. And we, we hunted down Hulk Hogan and got him to spear Hogan's head and put him on a yeah. stick. And you know, it was an actual photo. Yeah. Well, it was nice also to see that uh, Hogan had put his head back on in time for our first episode of the Absolutely. Yeah. And then, then they uh, put up a cover of uh, Apartment Wrestling yes. with the original Sheik on there. And I started saying, oh, that's the Sheik. But they didn't want to hear that. So they also talked about these dolls, whatever those were. Can well, I ask you a question? Doll. The love, love doll. doll. Yeah. Was that just a gag? Uh, no. What, what were they selling? So back in the, uh, in the late 60s and early 70s, Mr. Weston, my publisher, had an ad in there for a company that made rubber love dolls. Did you see the movie Airplane? Yes. So you remember the... the oh, there's the cheap little looking inflatable things. Because the ad had a real-life woman. Oh, and I'm trying to figure out what, how this yeah. in the 60s, because I'm like, that's a, that's a pretty realistic uh It was a real lady there. there but yeah. to quote my old hero, Jerry Lewis, that lady looked like, oh, I mean, I mean <laughs> she really did. But that, no, they that company sold tons of love dolls. It was for guys who were lonely. And uh, there was a guy I knew in the boxing business who actually who actually got this. And because, when, after his mother died, dressed the doll oh and sat at dinner every night. It was a very sad story. That, that is a sad story. Very un- really. Very uncomfortable. Um, I almost feel like he could have gotten a mannequin, not a sex doll. To dress you know as his what? mother, I think because it was a body, you mm-hmm. just dressed it up and. Sure. Hey, a body's a body, right? Yeah. yeah. Yikes. But that was. Uh, I'm glad you asked me about the love doll. I did not get one. Sure. Didn't have one. I wasn't married back then, but I didn't get a love doll. Okay. Yes, I was chick magnet back then. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I missed those times. <laughs> um. Why are you sorry you missed those times? No, I would have. It would have been great out? to. Could have gone out. Would have been great to learn from uh, my, from the master, uh, your wingman. Wing yeah. yeah. Oh man. Never liked wings. Where, where do we go? <laughs> where do let's go back? Where to do we Star go from here? Cast. So Starcast. So I want to circle back to you asked me who was the the my favorite person to meet, and I was trying to think of you know as far as like a, a wrestling star. Um, but really, my favorite person to meet was Dave Milliken. Um, I have always been a, a, a belt nerd, always been into the different gear that the guys are wearing, how they change it up. Uh, I'm the one who, you know, I'll watch a pay-per-view with a bunch of guys and some guy would come out and be like, oh, man, look, he's got like a, a, a different shade of orange on his tights there. And my friends just be You're like, what are you talking about? When we like, do interviews with people, mm-hmm. you talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's the stuff that interests me, and I, I think that a lot of fans out there are interested in it as well, even even if they haven't even thought about it before. So I try to, you know, that's what I'm here to do. I'm the voice of a fan yeah. uh, when we talk to you our are. guests. and uh, But yeah, so so to be able to hold these belts, to see them up close, uh, I did the, I, I mentioned before on our YouTube page um, that we did a, an interview, and I was wearing the Attitude Era, they call it the Big Eagle, mm-hmm. um, WWF belt uh and i had the uh wwe uh intercontinental belt yes. over my shoulder um 
that was that took me some time afterwards to digest the fact that I was wearing that belt because you like it, it. I don't know if I can articulate this well, but that for someone like well. me who who grew up watching that, that's the belt that The Rock wore, and not not a belt that looked like the one The Rock wore or Triple H wore or Stone Cold had. The actual belt. This yeah. was the actual one. The one Kurt Angle when he won the title and held it up while he was crying in the mm-hmm. eye away at No Mercy. That this is the belt, the physical belt he was holding. I'm now wearing around my waist, and it was just uh, as David said. You know, you have a lot of history on you right yeah, now, yeah. and it was true. And just to to be able to take that in, also the uh, the holding the big gold, of course, um, the. Uh, the WCW belt that wasn't the big gold when, yes. when yeah, they yeah. switched for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Um, that was, David said, uh, again, this is in the video, that that was the only one ever made. So if you ever saw that belt on TV, there was no question that it was that physical one that I was holding in my hand. And that's that to great. me, I just, I think that's the closest you, you can get to. Do you have one of his to, belts, by the way? Did you? I, do David, I have one? Do you have a Dave Milliken belt? I do not have a Dave Milliken belt. I have a Reggie one. Parks belt i know the original twf belt yes. yeah but this was before and i asked him about that when he came in when he started working with him uh but the belt i have is from 99 and that was before that was a few years before he started working with reggie next Parks. time we do one of our uh, youtube things i mm-hmm. want you to bring that down to absolutely I will. To be able, the main that one of the other main things um josh and i went to the after party and yes I, I was just going to hang out and i gotta thank so many of you fans you put this on social media Everybody stopped me. Hey, Bill, can I have a picture? Hey, Bill, can I have a picture? And I told Josh, man, if I would have charged 10 bucks a photo here, I could have gone home like <laughs> I won in Las Vegas. But I don't – you know what? I enjoy when people buy my book yes. or buy merchandise which, from me. Which uh, – merchandise? Yeah. Excuse, pardon you. I believe it's. I believe it's called merch on uh, this show. Tonight it's merchandise. Okay. I've <laughs> no, it, it, it's merch for our T-shirts. Oh, your book is merchandise. Correctly. Is that why they're se- there are actually separate links on Absolutely. our webpage one at theafterchat.com? One is dice. Um, what? Roll and go get them. Oh my. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, just I was so thrilled that people and I had this discussion with Stu Sachs today. Mm-hmm. He and I still talk every every once in a while. Uh, the editor of PWI, and I said, people were telling me that they became photographers because of me. They mm-hmm. became writers because of me. Uh, they became uh, wrestlers because of the way I inspired them through the magazines and now the after chat. And for people to tell me that, Stu said, there's, there's nothing better than to know that you made a mark in people's lives. And that happened every time I turned around. Yep. There was someone behind me. I saw it. And yeah. it was, uh, it really was. It wasn't just a, hey, you're Bill After, can I get a picture? It was, they would just start going into detail about the impact that you had. Um, and yeah. for me to be able to see that was really cool. It was thrilling for me. I was so um, flattered. I was so yeah. flattered when people tell me these things. We, I remember you, uh, you, me, and Calvin, we were trying to, I don't know if we were trying to leave or trying to get to the end of that long hallway that they had. And, it took us, I don't know how long to get down that hallway yeah. because you kept getting stopped by people yeah. to take pictures stopped. with you. And, and you stopped stop for everybody. I will stop. Yes. Well, the only other time I've ever seen anybody do this is Gil- Bill Goldberg. Mm-hmm. Not Gil Bolgerd, uh, but Gil Bolgerd. Gold- <laughs> right. yeah. But Bill Goldberg, I remember one time he sat in the lobby of the Nassau Coliseum mm-hmm. for hours talking to people and signing things. And that's what I was doing when I was going through the 
the crowd at the uh, at the convention. Yeah. Whenever someone stopped me, I made them feel like they have known me forever and vice versa, like they were my best friend, and they are. Yeah. And I and I I really love that. And then uh, you saw in the lobby that Conrad had the Starcast Illustrated yeah. magazine. So I posed with a lot of people over that there. That was great as well. But I want to thank all the fans that came to say hello because I know there were a lot of major players there and I sold my book there and every one of them went and I originally said I'm not going to bring a lot of books because there's too many people there nobody's going to want to do anything right. with me and now I could have brought triple <laughs> the amount of books so well you know also at the uh, at the after party had an opportunity to uh, to catch up with some people I hadn't seen in years like Joel Gertner Oh yeah, um, that was fun because he actually had worked for oh, my company my, back in the day, and yeah, one of my um, favorite people. Yeah, he was a lot of fun to talk to. Um, got a lot of time to spend with uh, somebody who's super cool that I got to really know. I'd met him once before, but the Blue Meanie. Oh, you um, never met him? No, I had. I'd met him once. But I'd I mean, met him not once before like regularly. No. Oh, because um, you know, he's in my book. But yeah. Did, yes. But by the end of the weekend, um, oh. I mean we were bumping into to him all the time, he and, and his uh, girl Tracy. Yeah, just yeah. A, uh, both. Super nice people, oh, um, and that was something else that I found. For the most part, everybody that I would bump into, just the nicest people you would ever want to talk to, and not just to me. I get I'm there with my my media pass, uh, but to all the fans, to everybody, they were just the nicest people. Everybody just seemed really excited and happy to be there. Um, at least the people I interacted with, yeah. and everybody had a great time. And that was something I told Conrad uh, when I saw him real briefly before I left. Was that it? Just seemed like everybody had a blast. Oh, it was it was something different and yes. new in the air, and you could feel and the excitement for everybody. Yes. It was just so on their game. Speaking People. of speaking of excitement, yes. the uh, after party was sponsored by one of our sponsors, Blue Chew. Yeah. Oh, right. That yes. was very exciting. Blue now, balloons I'm, all yes. over the place. Now, I am not going to launch into a whole long Blue Chew commercial no, here. No, come on. But well, I... <laughs> but wait, I, wait, wait. Yeah. Four, three, two, one. We have liftoff. We have launch. And you can have liftoff and launch as well with Blue Chew. So, all right, we know about Blue Chew. Go to bluechew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Uh, it is the, it's a chewable, the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so that you know they work. We talked about them every week. They're we an do. incredible sponsor. Um, blue Chew may have been the star of, of, of StarCast. They were everywhere. They were, they were all over the place. All those big signs. And people... Yeah. People were talking about Blue yeah. Chew. Anytime, any, it's almost become a thing in wrestling now where if there's any room for innuendo, someone's going to yell out Blue Chew. Oh, absolutely. Um, happened a lot at the roast. Okay. Um, but, you know, Blue Chew, as we've talked about before, the fun thing about it is that you can take it day or night and even on a full stomach. Um, and it's chewable, so it works twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity would arise and again like we said arise yes um uh blue you know who i think used blue chew who joey ryan Mm -hmm. we're gonna talk about that in a little bit yes we will uh but right now we have a really special deal for our listeners you guys have heard this the last couple episodes uh if you go to bluechew.com your first shipment will be free if you use our special promo code bill just pay $5 shipping, and your first shipment is Wait absolutely free. You're telling them if they say my name? Yes. 
they say my name, they will get their first shipment of Blue Chew absolutely free. Well, if they type your name in where it says promo code, saying it I don't think is going to do the trick. No voice recognition? Maybe if you used a voice recognition. Um, But yeah, I wouldn't necessarily bring up your computer or just look at your phone and just keep saying Bill. Bill, Bill, yeah. that's not going to. Uh, I also would highly recommend, unless you're uh, experiencing blue blue chew with someone named Bill, I would not recommend no, saying your name absolutely, again and absolutely again. Not. And we want to thank the Blue Chew crew. Yes, for all their participation in the after chat, and what a great after party. Yes, the Blue Chew crew threw. Wow. Yeah. The Blue ah. Chew crew threw. Very, very good. Yeah. Say yeah. that five times fast. So. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, it was a great after party, and as as they say, after the party is the hotel lobby, and yeah, whatever no, we the, and then and then up to the room for yeah, but Bluetooth. We did go, you know, we we missed talking about what well, we're still doing, Starcast Podcast yeah. Row. Podcast Row is fantastic, oh, and a uh, special thank you to uh, Rock and Wrestling Podcast yes. that had that had little old me on as a guest. Little old, yeah. You. Uh, a little, little young you. Little young me uh, uh, on as a guest. Uh, that was incredibly flattering um, for them to want to interview me. Um, you, listen, you're so says Chernoff. You've been in the wrestling business for years. Oh, thank you. had you. your own successful sitcom on YouTube. Thank I you. I mean, really, you, you're... you're you have your own celebrity niche here of fans. Well, I, I appreciate you saying it, that. But it's I, true. Uh, but it's no, true. and, and Wait, you know, let me keep reading that. Yeah. That you wrote for <laughs> here, I'll give you the money afterwards. Thank but you. Um, yeah, you know what? And it was cool when there was somebody wanted to take a picture with you. I offered to take the picture, mm-hmm. and the guy said, "No, no, no! I'm a huge fan of the show. Come on in here." Yeah. And asked me to come to the picture with you. Um, so that was that was cool for me well, because wait, I, I want to thank know. all the podcasters yes. for offering me to come on their shows. I only got to two of them, uh, and the other ones, please uh, just hit me up on a- yeah. After One Wrestling on Twitter, direct message me or whatever. I'd love to be on your shows, but I'll be on any of your it. shows. Bill, will, <laughs> Bill, will be, he'll big dog you, but I will. Uh, I'll but be on any you of your shows. You saw me no. running my. Off yes, I also that. saw you do a run-in on my interview with Rock and Wrestling. That you is right. uh, you yes. walked by the table. I'm like, yes. Bill, come here, yeah. come here. Yeah. Um, so it was great that you were able to do that, and great of those guys to have us on. Um, great show. Check them out. Um, but yeah, uh, let me just say before we're done, bluechew.com, promo code Bill. Try it for free. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so moving on, uh, we talked a little bit about StarCast. Um, it was a great experience. We talked about the Andy Kaufman panel which i i honestly that was one of my favorite oh, ones you know what we forgot what the roast of bruce the Pritchard. roast of bruce pritchard i have never laughed that hard we were sitting together yes and i was i i don't think you've ever seen me laugh that hard no jerry, i jerry the, king Lawler, jerry the king Lawler came out as a special guest and he told two jokes that were you have to watch it on fight tv i don't mm-hmm. want to spoil your fun but the comedians that were on the uh, on the roast here. Yes, they're actually wrestling fans, so they knew the characters, they knew the personalities that were up there, and God, Which they ripped great. into. But the only person I felt bad for was Medusa. Yeah, I think she took it a little too hard with the uh, comments some of them made you, about you her. It was pretty, pretty. Yeah, rude. they were a little rough. Um, yeah. But that, it's a roast. A it's a roast. Uh, you didn't feel bad for Brutus the Barber Beefcake. That no, guy seemed he like could, he was not in on the uh, joke. He could take it. He's yeah. Fine, but it, it, this was, um, and Medusa's a strong woman. 
but I don't think that she expected no. some of the lines that where people went after her. No, it was a little rough, and some of them were a little. Uh, I felt untrue. They had some uh, some comments about her and you know her appearance and all that I didn't think was accurate. I so. should tell one of those Jerry Lawler jokes. Should you? No. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the one about the uh, dressing room and people having sex in the dressing room. That was fantastic. Go yeah. to Fight TV. That was we're we're not going to do it justice. And the one about um, liking young girls. Yes, that, that was. was uh, yes. Yeah, which I think we all knew was was uh, yeah. going to come yeah. from a, uh, a a roast with Jerry Lawler oh, involved, absolutely. Uh, and he knew, and he was he was a, a pro about and it. And they got Pat Patterson along yes. too. But Pat's yes. such a good sport; he really is. Yes, he really is. I've Pat Patterson was a great was was that was a fun person for me to meet. Oh, really? Uh, that was really cool. That's great. Yeah, yeah, to get to meet him. And Jerry Briscoe. Jerry the Briscoe. Stooges. Yes. Yeah. Who should have been the third stooge if they did the three stooges back then? I'd say you. Yeah, but I, I'm talking about someone who was uh, um, employed in the company at that time. Johnny Ace would have been great. Had oh, he yes. been, he wasn't there at the time, no, though. Had I, he been there, Johnny Ace, yeah. Johnny Ace from, from a few years later yeah. would have been, yeah. would have fit in well there. Perfect. I don't know who else would have been. Probably uh, been the Brooklyn Brawler. Yes, he yeah. would have been great. He would have been, or Harvey Whippleman. I think Brawler. Would have okay. been even better okay. than that. Okay. Yeah. Brawler rhymes with Lawler, so. So back to. <laughs> so let's go backstage now. Let let let's paint what we did here. We got yes. our media passes, and. No, I'm sorry. Excuse me. We got our all access passes. I was to, getting to. to okay. Was oh, getting you were getting to that. I thought you were. Well, you know to... how you get all access. It's my face that gets us all. I was going to say. They, really, yeah, they they weren't giving it to me. They gave it to you, and I just was lucky enough to. No, no, to no. Get we that. we had an all access, but eventually we were able to get it for you. But it's so weird that if I would have taken off my all access pass, other yeah. than the guards there, mm -hmm. it, being backstage, I'm going to say this because yeah. you were never there years ago. Being backstage was as fun as it was, and I mean this in a good way, as being at WCW Nitro in the best days of wow. Nitro. Everyone was back there, um, and it was just great just to see some of my old family, Ray Mysterio mm -hmm. Jr., uh, Scott Hall. Uh, yes, he is part of my family. But everybody was, was, was back there. Cody, just the lineage of... Yeah. That maybe tonight Cody's going to win the title, and I'm the guy who shot the pictures of his father winning the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. You know what was really cool for me to see? What, um, Josh? Was to be able to stand in the gorilla position and see Cody at the table. That was very cool. Yeah, because I Because of the behind the... Now, when I saw him doing it, it was more or less they were just checking things out. It was before they had gone live. Yeah. But... Uh, it, that was just cool because understanding what an important role Dusty Rhodes played to the wrestling business behind the scenes, yeah. seeing Cody like that. And I did. I never met Dusty Rhodes, so I'm not trying to say, yeah. oh, yeah. Dusty would have – I know Dusty would have felt a certain way. But from every – everyone else said it for me that Dusty Rhodes would have absolutely loved to see Cody in that position. I got goosebumps that, that somebody tweeted – picture of Cody all bloody when he won the mm -hmm. belt and holding the title and they split the screen and there was the shot that I took of his father holding the almost title identical, almost identical I noticed and I don't know if this was a coincidence I feel like it couldn't have been 
But Cody stood on that second rope, held the belt the, belt the exact same way yes, I think that Dusty did. Yeah, I, I, it, it couldn't have been a coincidence. Um, it was, that was, and we're kind of jumping around, but that was an emotion. It was, it was the energy backstage because I had, no, I wasn't at Nitro backstage, but I have been backstage at a number of wrestling events. Well, I've never like been Nitro back. Pay, this is like a that's what I was going to say. I've never been backstage at a show this big. Oh, um, this at is, this scale. I told people so it was like being at Madison Square Garden for the Muhammad Ali, Joe Fraser second fight. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something in the air. You yeah. knew, you just knew there was an excitement. No one was backstage screaming, yelling, running around. Everyone was just... Perfectly organized. Everyone was so happy. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, you say perfectly organized, and one of the things that fans have been talking about is that all-in ran a little long. Uh-huh. Um, That's okay. And uh, they ended it, what was it, with three seconds left? Something like they that. They ended the match, and they had but to cut a lot of time. time. Right, but they had to cut a lot of time out of the main right. event. Um, but they caught up. Yeah, I don't know why... Um, you know, some people were, I heard people saying, oh, this match ran long. This one ran long. I don't know that those people had a run sheet to know what time those matches were supposed to be. I think what happened, and this is just my opinion. I think what happened with it is it was a long show. And in being a long show, there are a lot of opportunities to have something run 30 seconds too long here, Mm -hmm. one minute too long there. Bunch of little things that you, ah, it's not a big deal. But it compounds over sure, the entire night. Sure. And I think that that's what happened. I remember when Rey Mysterio, uh, when his team came out, when the music played, um, it was about a minute before anyone came uh, to the ring. And I don't know why that was or what was going on backstage for that. But that minute was a difference between going off the air three seconds after the show ended or going off the air a minute and three yeah. seconds. So it's little yeah. things like that. But again, um, this was a production the size of, of of a promotion that does this on a weekly basis. Oh yeah, the, this this looks they incredible. had never done this before. Mm-hmm. This was the first time. So to run a few minutes over, um, to me that's but the way that's cut, just who. But but the way that they caught up, right? But and, and went off the air exactly on time, which showed. And I don't know how much of that. Uh, was you know, of course having a ring general like Rey Mysterio in there isn't gonna isn't gonna hurt well, things. Well, B- um, B.J. But Whitmer the... backstage also mm-hmm. was one of the agents working on everything back there. Right. So th- there are various ways that these backstage people who are so very important were helping this right. whole situation. The, I'm sorry, we have a, the phone ringing in our offices it, it, here. It, I think it's the Bluetooth crew. <laughs> they call, yeah, they're trying to tell us thank you off. for the. Yeah, uh, yeah that's fine. Oh, well, you guys are very well. It's a phone. Keep going. All right, so we're um, professionals. Yeah, <laughs> with a phone ringing in the background. Um, all right, answer that phone. Really? Yeah. Uh, there's no one out we're there. We're in newsroom. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I, I think what I was gonna say was again, it was having Ray Mysterio in there, or just with the young bucks or whoever was in there. Um, that showed the professionalism. Mm-hmm. I myself, uh, I remember having a match once was supposed to be eight minutes long. Mm-hmm. And I'm about to go through the curtain. And this was very, very early in my career, one of my first uh, matches. About to go through the curtain, they said, hey, we're pressed for time. You guys have three minutes. And I'm not, uh, uh, not embarrassed to say that I, I fell apart. I got out there and did not know 
what to do. Yeah. Because I was at that time in my career, it was years later when I learned to call it in the ring. At that time, it was, I had every single, you know, step with my right foot at this time and yeah. then my left foot. Yeah. So for them to go, whatever it was, eight minutes or something and, and uh, cut it down to three, I was totally lost. Dude, so for those had guys- all these professionals in there. But, for, but, but still, that's not as easy as some people might think. For oh, them no, to be in there in the midst of that and- that it was a six-man tag. Yeah. You're not talking about a referee going in there and communicating to two guys and saying, hey, we're cut for time. You have to bring it home in you know, 30 seconds or whatever it is. You're talking about having to get that communication. And, that to, and I would assume the referee was the one who communicated that. So props to the referee as well. To be able to tell everybody to uh, you know, get all six of those guys on the same page, oh, to yeah. bring it home with three seconds before they went off the air, to me, I found that to be incredibly impressive. Now, remember, remember, the Young Bucks were in this match. Yes. And here's the guys who spent so much money investing mm -hmm. in this along with Cody. And, and they have to go they, home They early. have to go yep. home early. But uh, uh, um, they were good with that. Yeah. So let's discuss, uh, I, I want to think just if there was anything else backstage. Rey Mysterio had his uh, son, Dominic, backstage, oh, yeah. Like I said to Dominic, I said, I... Don't know why I'm surprised that you've aged since the last time I saw you on television. Yeah, he was. A, but it was when he, he was just a little kid. Yeah, but he's but, a giant now compared to. Oh my to, God, yeah. he's taller than me. Yeah, he's um, taller than me too. Yeah, and I'm six taller six. than me standing just, on your I'm shoulders. Not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you standing on my shoulders right, maybe comes right, to six four. Right. Um, but uh, no, uh, but no, but Dominic, um, so much taller than his dad which is very interesting to see where his career is going to go. He told me he's getting ready to head up to uh, Canada to train with Lance Storm. Yeah, isn't, isn't that great? Yeah. That's uh, great. Nicest kid could not. Uh, because of his father. I always say to people, there are two people in this business who are the nicest people mm -hmm. ever. One of them is Sting, and the other guy is Rey Mysterio yes. Jr. Yes. And this was the first time that I had the opportunity to meet Rey Mysterio and absolute nicest guy. I met him uh, before the show and then I met him after the show. Yeah, it's just great. I uh, saw him again and uh, just the nicest guy. But his son, yeah, I couldn't get over how big he yeah, was. Yeah, and he, he looks great. Um, but just, yeah, and he is very, you can tell how excited he is to be training with Lance Storm and rightfully so. You know who else was backstage? Joe Coff, the main man from yes. Ring of Honor. It was yes. a thrill to see him. I, I'd have to assume Ring of Honor was very helpful. Oh, yes. This. Yes, of course. Um, this is a joint. And, yeah, yeah. This is a whole joint promotion. Which is just awesome to see. Yeah. That's just a great thing to see. To me, that strength, all this show did was strengthen the business Absolutely. as a whole. Absolutely. Uh, I, and and I, I would even hope that the WWE would maybe see this and it could light a fire under some of the spots where maybe they need to, to you know, well, get I don't know. together. I don't it. know if... WWE would look at this and say, we, we should do this, we should Oh, I'm do not that. saying from a, like, what you I'm not, no, I'm not saying, oh, I'm worried about competition or something like that. But just to let them say, like, just a little something in the back of their minds, just to say, wow, I guess other people can do something kind of cool and people are really digging it. Maybe we should not assume that we can just rest on the laurels of being the WWE. And, and, uh, and that's, not to, that's not to suggest that they're just resting on their laurels exactly but uh you know look I'm, I'll, I'll be honest this is no not anything negative to the wwe other than the fact that i'm i just i have not been uh as entertained 
by any of the WWE shows in a very, very long time as I was with All In. Okay, well, the, there was that initial excitement mm-hmm. about this was incredible. So one of the things that I had set out to do, mm-hmm. I had to get this done, was to meet, I'm a big fan of Arrow, is yes. my son Brandon, and I got to meet Stephen Amell. First of all, he's nine feet thousand, nine thousand feet tall. Way bigger than I expected. Him oh to yeah, be. me yeah. me too. And I talked to him, and he wasn't a wrestling fan growing up. That this whole thing, he said the history and all that, he mm-hmm. really didn't know much about it. it. It came to him just a few years ago um, about wrestling, and then yeah. he got into it. And go ahead, what were you going to no, say? No, I was going to say this is a perfect opportunity maybe to throw to. The interview with Stephen Amell. You did an interview with Arrow? I had the opportunity to be backstage um, for a, a press conference. Bill mentioned a press conference earlier that happened during StarCast. Yes. Um, but a very small select group were backstage. Oh, wait a minute. At wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me say something about yeah. that. This is something that they do in Japan. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any other companies do this where they had an actual press conference a few hours before. Yes. The show, and I'm hoping that they also had photographers, photographers around the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that when they do the show at Madison Square Garden, that they do the same thing. Yeah. That they allow a lot of photographers around the ring, and that they also have a press conference during the day. I hope they will. Yeah. Um, the press conference was really that was a lot of fun for me to be a part of, uh, representing the after chat. Yeah, you and Calvin were there, uh, right? Calvin was there as well. Like we said, he's our, he's our, uh, AV guy, you know, our tech guy. And, uh, yeah, we were there on the front row and we have some of those interviews for you guys, but I think right now would be a great opportunity to throw to, uh, a little bit of that Stephen Amell. And by the way, they brought each talent in one at a time, Mm -hmm. correct? Okay. Yes. So it's just a couple of people came in. Um, but, uh, yeah. How about we throw to that? Yeah. Let's listen to the arrow did you ever want to be a professional wrestler when you were growing up was this like how did this come about that you now are kind of you know having your first singles match um well you're kind of really entering into that as right a, in there no I, growing up did i want to be a professional wrestler no you know talking with kenny omega about about him you know backyard wrestling at seven years old that was never me okay um doesn't mean that i didn't know how to do all the moves i did but uh, that that was never me. I I stumbled upon acting. I liked it a lot. I always liked the physical aspects of it, though. But um, this 100% came about because of COVID. It was because of an invitation from WWE to be at Monday Night Raw on Memorial Day in 2015, and Cody being a fan of Arrow and getting a segment approved by Vince to hiss at me while I was at ringside and he was doing the start Stardust gimmick to. Um, you know, to him going, look, I want to, I really want to, I really want to do this match, and then I don't, I don't want to speak out of turn, but um, I know that after, after uh, Cody's father Dusty passed, a lot of people expected that he would drop the Stardust gimmick and you know c- go back to being Cody Rhodes. Um, but one of the things, that, one of the last things that he and his dad had talked about was that he uh, was sort of enjoying this. Stephen Amell thing that was happening and Cody wanted to finish it. So, thank you. Fast forward, <laughs> and here we are now. 
Yeah, Mike Pellucci with the Ringer. Uh, you already mentioned you know, your career. The Ringer, as in Bill Simmons' site? Bill Simmons' awesome. site. Awesome. Uh, so I'm sorry, I'm a big Bill Simmons fan. <laughs> <laughs> I did the piece on Cody this spring. Oh, yeah, that was a really good piece, man. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate. thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you mentioned your career using social media to kind of get you on the sub-buyers. You, you know these guys well enough to, you know, and have been on the, you know, for you, I guess, what role do you think being elite has played in making this show happen? Well, Talking with talking with Cody, he didn't know. I don't think in his wildest dreams he thought that you know, they would sell ten thousand seats as quickly as they did. I think he thought that they would sell half of it. So, for me, being involved in this, my thought was, you know, am I going to need to sell some tickets for them? Clearly not. <laughs> you know, although I peeked out there and I did see a couple of Vigilante Club t-shirts out there. But uh, no, it, look, um, people, you know, on my social media platforms, I try to give people a peek into a, a peek into my daily life. And I think that it, it's probably 5%, but it feels like a lot more. So Matt and Nick uh, and Cody, with the whole being, being the Elite Series, they're doing the same thing for the professional wrestling fan. I mean, you know, I would have, I would have given anything to know, you know, who, uh, you know, who was on the road together. You know, Cody would tell me stories when he and I were getting to know each other, or when I did Turtles with Seamus, like about who he, uh, who he drove with. You know, Cody telling me about, you know, driving a, uh, like a young 20s Randy Orton, and 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 Randy just like dead asleep in the back seat with. Heavy metal blasting through the, you know, so it's, it's super, it's it's really interesting. So I think that they they've they've given themselves to wrestling fans, and wrestling fans are thus giving back. I met you at a press junket in New York, and uh, when Olin was advertised, and you told me you were going to be here. Have you been training since then sure. for this match? Yep. And with who? Uh, in ring training? Yeah. No. No, uh, I, I ran the ropes with Cody a little bit to film some uh, being the elite stuff and some uh, some all us stuff last last week. But uh, no, I, I haven't I haven't really been training in the I haven't really been training in the ring. But we've been you know talking with Cody and got some good advice from some I was, you know some some really great people have given me a lot of good advice. Like I was just out there with Kenny Omega and he's, you know, talking about the things that he likes about a wrestling match and the things that he doesn't like about a wrestling match. And they were recording some behind the scenes stuff and he gets into it and then he looks over and he goes, no, 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 cut, cut the cameras. This is like, this is shop talk. So uh, being accepted by those guys, uh, you know, as one of the guys has been one of the coolest things about this. Because before I did, you know, before I did SummerSlam with Cody, I, I did a loop with them. You know, I did a small house show in Victoria, BC, and then you know took the ferry back the next day and did the Sunday house show in Vancouver, and then you know got in the car the next day and went to Everett, Washington, and changed with the boys and did the thing. And that I mean that to me was really important because I don't you know I don't want to be a tourist. What was the last time you were in the ring? Was it then? I mean, no, it would have been. I did a Ring of Honor show in San Antonio last. Okay. Call it November. It's gonna hurt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look. Thank you. Yeah, is there anything that like you're kind of nervous or apprehensive about for, for tonight? I mean, obviously you said that you're you're in a good headspace, but is there any sort of nervousness that you have going? Oh, through? sure. I, right, right now, right now, I'm a bundle of nerves right <laughs> at this very moment in time. Um, <laughs> thank you. No, I, if, look, if I was walking out to a 10,000 seat 
a stadium to sit down and do a panel and talk about television for, or, or, or talk extemporaneously about nothing for an hour, I would have no problem with that. But uh, walking out there, you know, you see the ring on TV, it looks very big because that's that's what the television cameras are trying to show you. But you walk out into the Sears Center tonight and it's, the ring is very small and we are very isolated out there. Um, you know, I, I th this is a smaller example of that, but I remember talking to some of the boys before their icy title uh, ladder match at WrestleMania back at uh, in Dallas with that Cody was in, and I was talking with the Miz, and he was telling me that because of the size of uh, Cowboy Stadium, they needed just for their basic ladders to use ladders that were like three feet taller. Yeah. <laughs> just because otherwise you couldn't see them. Now this is a smaller example of of that, but. When I was out there before, I was out there with Cody and Neville and and Wade, and you know the, the other time I'm you know with the Bucks and Kenny and Cody and and uh, you know it's an eight-man tag match and it just I can hide a little bit. Not so much today. Not so much today. In some ways, it's not as no pressure on you, but there's also immense pressure on you. Is it, is it a strange mental uh, I feel the about? pressure from the standpoint of I don't want people to go, yeah, All In was really good, but Cody put his body on the card. Um, I owe it to I owe it to him, and you know, I was talking with him. He said that they had a 73% fly-in rate for this show, um, which is incredible. Uh, and it really speaks to one of the questions earlier about what the Bucks have done, bringing people in that people you know, saw this opportunity back in May and planned their Labor Day weekend around it. But uh, no, I, I wanna go out there and I wanna do a good job for my friend and for me because uh, there is no, there, I, there will be no career in professional wrestling. I wouldn't say that this is a one-off and I wouldn't say that this is it, but I'm not wrestling next weekend, I'll tell you that much. All right guys, we have time for some more questions. No one wants to be last. What do you think about blood matches? How much blood matches? What do you mean? Like old school, like crimson mask sort of thing? No way. <laughs> Not unless it happens by accident. Then by all means. I'll tell you a funny story though. Uh, when I was doing my segment with Cody back in uh, Everett, Washington, when we set up the <clears throat> the ML Stardust and that turns into a tag, etc. The Road Dog was booking that segment for us and so he says all right you get in the ring you give Cody the shoulder he knows it's coming don't worry about it you gotta lay that into him and then get on top of him and don't hit him with knuckles because we don't want you to break your hand or something like that so hit him with forearms he knows it's coming so it's his job to it's his job to cover up he goes but by all means try to slip one through because if you get one through and you cut him that's real good for us I'm saying, like, what world have I walked into? And he said, red, red equals green. So, what do you say? Red equals green. Never forget it. All right, guys, enjoy the show very much. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. So, Bill, we also had an opportunity to talk to Christopher Daniels, who Stephen Amell faced at All In. Again, remember these interviews were a couple hours before the event. So why don't we take a listen real quickly, if you're okay with that. I have uh, no problem with to that. To Christopher Daniels, um, and he talked a little bit about what he was expecting in his match. And then after this interview, we'll kind of recap how the match went. Yeah. Stephen Amell watches professional wrestling like everybody else watches professional wrestling every week. He sees wrestlers go out and do this, 
And in his mind, that means it must be easy. If they do it week after week after week, it must be easy. That's what Stephen Amell thinks. I'm here to tell him, and I'm here to show him tonight, that it's not as easy as he thinks. And I'm going to show him exactly how hard professional wrestling can be. Yes. Obviously, with tons of roots in Chicago, how cool is it to see this sort of, you know, you, you, Windy City Pro Wrestling way back in the <laughs> it's awesome, years ago man. and now, you know, to yeah, this. 10, 000, yeah, 10,000 strong here based on the uh, the love and affection that the Young Bucks and Cody and the Bullet Club have cultivated across the years, across the world. Um, this is awesome, man. It's, and I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it. Um, they're never going to be able to take away the fact that I was on the first All-In. They're never going to be able to take away the fact that I beat Stephen Amell on the first All-In. And um, yeah, it's something that I'm going to be very proud of for years to come. Yes. No, go ahead. You, oh, sir. I'll right, this gentleman next. That's fine. Uh, I was just wondering, you, you had so many great uh, legendary feats over the years. How different was it preparing for this match, putting it together with somebody like Stephen Amell? who's not your traditional kind of opponent for a big show like this? Um, honestly, it wasn't too much different than any other preparation I have for my matches because I know what my strengths are. And my one of my strengths has always been to adapt to the people I'm across the ring from. So if I'm dealing with someone that is uh, in better shape than me or, you know, uh, uh, in terms of cardiovascular, if I think they have more wind than me, obviously I'll up my cardio. If I think someone is stronger than me, I might try to build a little strength in the gym. But for Steven being so inexperienced, I sort of took this as uh, just to stay healthy, just to get in the same shape that I'm usually in, because I figured that in the end my experience was going to be the deciding factor. Yeah, he's younger and it's very quite possible that he's stronger than me. I think everybody saw the video of him. Uh, underhand deadlifting 315 pounds for reps, then uh, low rowing it, and then doing pull-ups. Very impressive, very impressive. But this isn't weightlifting, it's not parkour, it's not American Ninja Warrior, and it's not the set of arrow. This is a professional wrestling ring. This is where I excel. And so that was my mindset going into my training. You had a question, sir. Yes, I'm Josh Hanna from the After Chat. Hello. Hi. Um, a lot of people have had kind of this like general consensus that to be a star in wrestling, you had to have worked for the WWE. Um, you have made a career and become a star in the wrestling business without doing that. Does it feel like to be a part of a show like this, that this is kind of an opportunity, not that people in the business who are out of WWE aren't stars, but to really make that statement to say, hey, we don't need that big machine? Do you think this is kind of changing the business in that way, in the way that you kind of set the uh, set that path? Yes, and, and I think it changes the mentality of what people have always called the casual fan. Because to the casual fan, all there is is WWE. They don't know enough to, to delve deeper into the world of professional wrestling. So to a casual fan, you say pro wrestling, they think John Cena, they think The Rock, they might think Brock Lesnar. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But now, if they're scrolling through WGN and it says All In Wrestling and they see, oh, who are these young bucks? Oh, who's Cody? Oh, who's Marty Skrull? Oh, who's uh, Kenny Omega? It's going to open their eyes and be like, oh, wait, there's more than the WWE? Yes, there is more than the WWE. And I don't think that many of the people that bought tickets here are under the impression that 
the only thing out there is WWE because right. they were in on this movement with us. Like this, this thing that's happening tonight doesn't work if it's just Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, Cody, Kenny Omega, and a couple of assorted goofs that are on BTE with us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It also works because more than 10,000 people out there feel that energy, feel that passion, feel that love for professional wrestling that Matt and Nick show in every match that they do, that Cody shows in every match he does, that Candy does in every match he does. Those people out there feel it. Now, the casual fan is going to turn on the television and feel that energy and hear that energy of 10,000 strong. And maybe that's going to open their eyes and it's going to open the eyes to uh, maybe advertisers, maybe consumers, maybe people that oh man, maybe wrestling is something that we could tie our wagon to and, uh, and, and, and expand this world of professional wrestling into. Thank you. You're welcome. You guys were not prepared for Christopher Daniels, were you? I do not feel like you're... Go ahead. Any major titles going your way? At any moment. It's a matter of time, really. It's really just a matter of me pointing towards a title and going for it. I feel like my resume at this point, it's nothing that I have to put on a table for anyone to see. They know who I am. Ring of Honor knows who I am. And if I wanted an opportunity at the World Championship, I feel like all I have to do is ask and say, I would like an opportunity at Jay Lethal. Or if I wanted to be uh, in the tag team mix, Frankie and I are always ready to be World Tag Team Champions. And if I want the six-man tag team titles, it's just a matter of myself, Scorpio Sky, and Frankie Kazarian asking for the contract, signing it, and that's it. So yeah, there will be titles at some point. Right now our focus is this. Tomorrow our focus is gonna be something else. Death Before Dishonor comes in less than four weeks in Vegas. Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian versus the Briscoes for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. That's probably your next world title change that you see. You can write that down if you want. Or if you're going to memorize it, that's cool too. I don't mind. Is that cool? All right. Cool. Hey, Chris, we talked a little bit the other day. Yes, we did. Um, you know, I guess w with regards to the new league, you, know, you mentioned that off the top. Uh, what impacts do you think that's had as far as the show happening? And, you know, you, you said it yourself. Like, it's not just the message being put out there. It's that the fans are buying it. So what is it about... Uh, being elite and everything these guys are doing that resonates so much to bring in casual wrestling fans to a world that might not have been able to experience before and kind of develop this loyalty to you know, have a 70-something percent flying with the show. I feel like the, the thing that sets BTE apart from, it's not traditional. It's not traditional in any sense. I feel like, uh, and this sort of comes all the way back to Matt and Nick Jackson and their their attitude towards professional wrestling. You know what I mean? Because BTE came from the minds of Matt and Nick and it's built into this thing that has all the Bullet Club in it and myself and Frankie Cesarian, Scorpio Sky, Flip Gordon, you name the people that have been on Being the Elite over the last 150 episodes or whatnot. But it, it all goes back to, the, to Matt and Nick's idea that wrestling should be fun and wrestling should be a party. And I feel like sometimes certain places take it a little too seriously and that can sort of be a downer and that can sort of be a wet blanket for a new fan. Um, instead, Matt and Nick felt like this has to be fun. We have to go out there and make this feel like the party that everybody needs to be a part of. And once that feeling started to cultivate, then people realized, I wanna be in on this party, I wanna be on this party. And it started 
You could say it started in PWG. You could say it started in Ring of Honor. You could say it started in the the small promotions that Matt and Nick ran on their own. But wherever it started, it doesn't matter because that's, now here we are. Here we are, and it's based on that feeling of wrestling should be fun. And every time you see anybody based on being the elite out there, we're having fun. And hopefully that fun that we feel is being felt by the people that are buying the tickets. And I think you're about to see probably the most fun 10,000 people can have legally uh, in, the, in the state of Illinois. So, yeah. Yes. Yes, I did. Just about. Ring of Honor World Champion. But it's amazing your humility, too. I wonder if that's, I mean, these guys looked up to you in the locker room. They talked about it before. They asked you to be on the show. You didn't all to be on. How much does that mean, the fact that, I mean, it seems like you made the right decisions. And you, that humility you've given, you know, you've exuded the last decade, it, it's honestly made an impact on the Bucks who are very humble. On Cody, I don't know if he had a long relationship with him, but it just seems like that lack of ego. I know it's in a business where ego is king, just paid off, and you're not proud of your work. But could you kind of touch on the fact that this is a place of humility in wrestling, too, and Christian Daniels has really portrayed that pretty well? Uh, well, thank you, first of all, for saying such a thing. That's very kind of you to say. Um, yeah, well, I, I feel like part of that comes from the idea, like, I. I recognize how good I am and how much better others are. Like I never, as much as I may brag, if I'm ever on a microphone with the red light on, I'll tell you I'm the best in the world. But I have no problem admitting that I look at someone like Matt Jackson and am impressed every time I see him wrestle. And think to myself, man, I wish I, wish I could do this like that. Do you know what I mean? I look at Cody and the last couple years and just the way he carries himself. And I think to myself, man, if, if I had carried myself like that in, in 2004, would, would things have been different or whatever? So uh, to me, humility, it's just a matter of being honest with yourself and saying, okay, you're good, but there's always someone better than you. And um, especially in professional wrestling, we're so often uh, the decision of whether or not you're up here or down here isn't necessarily made based on what you can and can't do in a wrestling ring. Um, it's 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 hard to be an egomaniac, an egomaniac, an egomaniac about yourself when it's you're easily put in your place by someone that has power over your career. So I mean, I've always felt it's been better to sort of undersell myself and uh, and let my work talk for for that. And um, you know, if someone like you comes up and says, you know, you're one of the, you know, whatever superlative you put, you're one of the best, you're one of the greatest, whatever you say, that's up to you to say. It's debatable. You know what I mean? And I appreciate everyone who's ever said, oh, Christopher Daniels is the best wrestler I've ever seen, or oh, Christopher Daniels best matches, blah blah blah. All of that, you know, it's all subjective. Like each wrestling fan out there has their own favorite. If I'm someone's favorite, that's awesome. Um, it touches me here to know that my work is appreciated, and the rest, the rest is the rest. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't dwell on whether I'm actually the best or not. So I don't, I don't, I don't bother thinking that I am. I feel like I talked around in a circle for that one, but hopefully that made sense. Hey guys, I'm sorry we just got time for one more question, please.
Uh, so obviously you've been uh, teaming with Zarian for a long time now. You guys just added uh, Scorpio Sky to become a trio. How do you feel Scorpio Sky has uh, grown since SoCal Uncensored kind of came together? And how do you feel, uh, what do you feel he brings to the table? Uh, I think Sky is uh, by far one of the best choices Frankie and I ever made as far as like finding a partner. Um, Sky brings a lot of youth, a lot of energy, um, a lot of great ideas. He's, he's He's very much like myself and Frankie in the sense that he's all in on this team. He wants to do what's best for the three of us. And when you have three guys like that, you can't help but build something great because there's never one of us that's out for ourselves above the rest. Um, so that to me is, is uh, the best thing about Scorpio Sky is that he's a team player and right now he's on a very popular team. Uh, if it's cool, I'm going to get this guy's question, too, because he tried to ask, and I feel yeah. like I missed him. So you had a question? Yeah. Um, I mean, you mentioned your body of work. Obviously, it does speak for itself. You mentioned also uh, that your you know, training is going on and everything. Do you feel like there's a chance at all that you underestimate Stephen about for your I didn't underestimate him. I understand exactly what I'm in for in the sense of, who I'm in for. I understand, like you You need to understand that at this moment, I'm well aware that Stephen Amell is deep in filming season seven of Arrow. And I understand the mentality that there are 24 hours in a day and I've been on Hollywood sets and I've filmed television shows before to know that if you're the lead of a television show, the odds are good that you're involved a lot more often than not. And I understand as well that Stephen Amell has to train aesthetically to look a certain way. So I'm well aware of his strength, I'm well aware of his size, the fact that he's taller, and I know that he's younger than me. Um, and I've seen him dip his toes in the water of professional wrestling before. It's really just a matter now of what extra wrestling training he's done. Um, and I'm prepared for that. I'm prepared for different maneuvers out of Stephen Amell. He's taken, he's known about this match for a couple of months now. So I'm sure that being friends with Cody, he's said, I would like to learn, I'd like to widen my repertoire against Christopher Daniels. Because if anybody, if I need a wider repertoire against anybody, it's gonna be Christopher Daniels. So yeah, I'm, I'm aware of it. And again, my strength has always been to adapt to the person in front of me. So if he comes out showing me that all of a sudden he's become Luthez, then it's my job to become, uh, you know, the, the anti-Luthez, you know, to become the, the counter-wrestler. But right now I feel like if I bring the wrestling to Stephen Amell, it's in my advantage. It's to my advantage to do that way, so. So I was very impressed with Stephen Amell because... I think Christopher Daniels was the perfect opponent because I felt that Daniels' experience with a much less experienced wrestler mm -hmm. would make this a good match. You have to... Bobby Shane, back in the 70s, told me it takes two to tango. Mm -hmm. So if you got one experienced guy and one guy who's sort of green, it could really work well. And that's advice that I that I had given to uh, some a, a wrestler that I know who is training, or uh, he's not training anymore, he's wrestling on the indies. Mm -hmm. um, and the advice that I had given to him was advice that took me a number of years to follow uh, myself, which was you're only, uh, you're only as good as the people you're working. Absolutely. And you, know, you can get into that comfort zone. 
and and you're really comfortable with where you are and who you're working, but until you step out of that and you work somebody better than you, which can be intimidating, but when you can work somebody better than you, that's how you learn. Yeah. And yeah. of course this wasn't, you know, Stephen Amell, as he had mentioned in his interview, was not, you know, he's not having a career as a professional wrestler. Um, but at the same time, to to what you're saying, to your point, to be in there with a guy like Christopher Daniels. I mean the ultimate ultimate professional yes 12 and, years in the business yeah and just so so refined and, and regarded just right as guy. one of the best wrestlers technical wrestlers. Yes. we can we can by the way years ago i never would have told i never would have said you know, he worked with somebody mm-hmm. and i still say wrestled with somebody right. but you're from a different generation yeah. of that talk than i am it's it's <laughs> not a problem but i think during the match two of the things that really impressed me um was uh Steven's dropkick, I thought that was yes. phenomenal. But when he did that spot where he went through the table, that was absolutely incredible. That was... I wasn't expecting that. Because here you have a studio that's uh, uh, producing your TV show. Yeah, I'm sure they TV were show. They must have been thrilled. <laughs> oh, my God. They're yeah. thinking to themselves, okay, how many how many episodes do we have in the can for the season? Well, they're also can, yelling we take, at, can we take a break They're the also yelling out holy SH, but not in a good way like no, the fans would but be. The fans were yelling a chant that I loved, which was they started chanting Broken Arrow. Oh, right, the right. Table, yes, I, I remember fantastic. that. Um, yeah, you know. You know, there was a, a movie and a book called Broken well, I remember Arrow. the movie Broken Arrow with John and, Travolta and Christian Slater. Right, but there was also a TV Howie, Howie series. Howie Long was in there? But there was also a TV series with a guy named John John Lupton and Michael and Sarah, who was married to uh, Barbara Eden, I Dream of Jeannie. Mm. Yeah. Okay. A little trivia. Go ahead. Okay. That's where Broken Arrow came from. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there I went. Uh, so Stephen Amell mentioned in his in his interview in the press conference that he had not trained for this. Obviously, he's in great shape, and he yes. stays uh, aesthetically in great shape for mm-hmm. Arrow. Um, uh, strong guy, too. You see some of the stuff he posts online. Very he powerful. In the gym. But he hadn't trained in the ring, and he admitted that. And, of course, he's got a busy schedule. I understand that. Um, and I don't mean that to imply that he didn't take this seriously because he took this very seriously. Um, I know that he, and he mentioned this, but I know that it was important to him to not look like he was thrown on the show just because he's friends with Cody. Yeah. Um, and Christopher saw, Daniels now. Sure, but I <laughs> saw a huge improvement from his match at SummerSlam um, oh, years ago. Yes, oh, uh, definitely. A huge improvement there. But there were a couple of things that I spotted. Number one, um, you can be, and you know this from guys have been, have said this for years. There is when somebody's injured, maybe and, they take, and they're out of action. They always talk about ring rust. The ring rust, what that is, is yes, partially timing, but at the same time, it's it's having your wind. It's being it's cardio. There is no cardio in the world that you can do to prepare you for being in a wrestling ring. Oh, absolutely not. And Stephen Amell was was blown up. Yeah, and that was something you could see the way he was carrying himself. Pretty, you know, around the midpoint of that match. He was he was feeling it, and uh, and that's not really a criticism on it. It's just that's what happens. You look at this guy who's in phenomenal shape, but there's difference. But he's the not ring he's, shape is. But different. he's not a, a regular wrestler. Right. He, he which brings me to a positive, which was that table spot for a guy who's used to them saying, "Okay, cut. Here's your stunt man coming in." That table spot 
There were no wires. There was no stuntman. That stunt wasn't man. a stuntman no, that came in? that was... They uh, turned the lights off and there yeah. was a stuntman? We'll talk man? about that in a minute. Oh, yeah, that was but, the uh, highlight but, of the night. Yes, um, but but that table spot... Um, it was amazing. It was perfect. It was it amazing. Was, it was perfect. Um, I thought for what it was... I thought it was a an entertaining match. Told the story they wanted to tell. Oh yeah, and you got um, Arrow got his. Even though he lost, mm-hmm. it showed he could do this. Yes, and yeah. and I, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Uh, nobody was going in there. And how many more weeks will Cody get? And will Christopher Daniels possibly get on Arrow next season? I think season? Cody's on for five episodes. He is, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's what he said. So and he then, probably beats Cody. In uh, as a bad guy there, and right, yeah. are they going to change the NWA title on Arrow? Ooh, Ooh. I'm going to say Ooh. no. But, <laughs> but if you're sitting there watching Arrow, excited about that build, and that's but I that can night. see some promoter going <laughs> unquestionably, that would be a great thing. We get Arrow in here to win the NWA title and then bury it. <laughs> so let's talk about um, another incredible match that night. Of course, the did you see? Oh, William or Billy Corrigan at the <laughs> arena because from the Smashing Pumpkins. I didn't because he's in charge of the NW. I, I didn't know see John him. Mayer was there. We know that. Oh man, so I'm yeah. a huge John Mayer. I fan. know you are. Um, and I'm going to pretend for a minute that he's we're going to go back to the, the NWA chat. title. We will, okay. of course, we will. Um, I'm going to I'm going to pretend that he's a huge fan of the after chat. So John, uh, you know, come on, say Tweet hi next him. time. Yeah, I did. I tweeted him. I was up in the uh, in the suite, in the box suite. Oh, excuse uh, me. For the, uh, hey, with the after chatters, with yes. our with the people who won the uh, our contest winners. Yes, yes. Um, and we had a great time up there. That's great. Um, I never got to meet them, and I'm so sorry. No, you didn't. Oh, no. they were great. No, uh, they were a lot of fun. Uh, but so I was up there, um, and all of a sudden I see on the screen. They're the close-up of John, John Mayer. Mayer yeah. And I'm like, uh, so I'm looking around I'm like, what? So I'm thinking to myself, because, of course, we were backstage before the show started, um, and he wasn't back there. No. And we were backstage. We got we got backstage before Cody and all of them had even come backstage, mm-hmm. and there was no John Mayer. And no. I guess he was maybe he didn't want to you know interrupt or anything. Maybe he couldn't night. get a media pass, all access. Yeah, right. He was, you know. Possibility. That's how it goes. A lot of those guards didn't know, who, probably don't know who he is. But you know what? It, it was. Not uh, Atlas. Atlas knows who he is. Yes. And, uh, but I, I sent him a tweet and said, uh, I would lo- are you going to be backstage afterwards? I'd love to meet you. Huge fan. Um, he did not tweet me back. You should have said not huge fan. You should have said media personality. See, I think you'd be more inclined to meet a fan. Than I don't media know. Personality. I, well, I was back. I was going to be backstage. I thought that implied media that I wasn't going to. You know, I don't know. Mixed signals. Well, let's <laughs> get let's get to know. the match. So the this, this entire Lions. episode is. Can we build this episode? Josh talks about his uh, misconnection with yes. John Mayer. Yes. So um, let's talk about the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Yes. Before we go into that, that's a perfect opportunity to talk about an, another person I had an opportunity to interview, and which that? was Diamond Dallas Page. Yes. Just a couple of hours before he walked Cody to the ring. So Along with Glacier. Yes. Uh, and Tommy Dreamer, mm-hmm. among others. So uh, before we talk about the match, why don't we go to take a, a listen to what uh, Diamond Dallas Page had to say, and then we'll uh, do a little recap of this match. Take a listen. Why not? Hi, everybody. Josh Chernoff here for the After Chat, and I am joined by DDP. What's up, baby? How you doing? How how are things here at Starcast? 
I just got out of uh, my biggest DDPY workshop ever. You know, it's DDPY inspiration meets perspiration. And uh, we had 173 people there. You'll see clips of it up on my DDP Yoga um, uh, Facebook or my Diamond Dallas Page Facebook or YouTube or whatever. But uh, the crowd was insane. Just imagine 170 people, you know, hulking it up, attention, superstar, you know, dude. We, you know, I, I, make, I make it really fun, you know, and I get it. It's very interactive, and uh, there's a lot of lives that are changed there. You know, I had over four people who lost over 100 pounds. Um, I don't know, 30 people lost like 20 to 50. And it's not a weight loss program. It's just an awesome side effect. So... Uh, Fight TV filmed the whole thing, and uh, they, they actually caught a lot of the inspiration. And I think it was one of the best talks I've ever done, you know, because the crowd was just so hot when you, when you own them like that. You know, I, I have a new book coming out called Positively Unstoppable, The Art of Owning It. And uh, it's a random house book, and uh, I'm really excited about that and get to talk to people about that because I'm getting people to start understanding owning it. And it can be whatever you want it to be, you know, from your fitness level to the way you eat to the way you think more than anything, you know, but your, your significant other, your relationships, your kids, you know, owning it is just it's a state of mind that is really surrounded around a positive attitude. Well, you know, uh, you are one of the most inspirational people that I've ever met from all the way back to when you started your wrestling career and the way that you started it was inspiration for a lot of people. And to the DDP Yoga, which I have been a member of for the last couple of years, uh, definitely helped. I've had a lot of back issues and it has helped me uh, a ton. Have you so, seen the app yet? I have, yeah. I have had the app for about two years, and I want to say. Really yeah. Sweet, it's it? fantastic. Yeah, so just hearing you in person say yeah. some of the uh, attention and hulk it up and everything was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so that's really exciting about the book coming out. Do you know when that's going to yes, come out? January 15th, the book drops, but you can order it right now anywhere from Ran, you know, from God, you can order it at Amazon or, uh, or Google Play or any bookstore will let you order it right now. And when I do these type of appearances, and I had like 12 people who came up to me who had bought the book already. So I give them this book plate that's signed, Diamond Dallas Page. And for this one, I actually signed it and dated it, which is, you know, 9118, because this is a pretty significant day in history for professional wrestling. I mean, I'm wearing the man's shirt right here, and that's on the coat that his daddy gave me and I gave back to him. <laughs> and a lot of people don't know that Cody was actually in your first yes. book, even before yeah. it was called DDP Yoga, yeah. right? Yep, when in background was called Yoga for Regular Guys. And Cody is one of the regular guys in my book. At that time, I think he's 18. Yeah, yeah so I was like 13 or 14 years ago. Well, you have to be extremely proud of him. Obviously, your relationship with his dad, and you've known him for so long. Since he was a kid, you know, uh, a lot of fun memories. Like one of them, one is about this coat, and Dusty had given me the coat. I want to say Cody was around 12 then, and uh, he came downstairs. It's in August, and he said, "There's you and my dad smoking cigars, drinking beer, and you're wearing." 
the coat. And on, and on the inside of the coat, it says Dusty Rhodes. It's embroidered, really nice embroidery. So I embroidered on the other side, Diamond Dallas Page. Nice. So now I'm sure, I'm sure already it says Cody Rhodes. Right. He, had, he had borrowed, there's a great video that I have up on my, uh, up on my Facebook. I just put it up there again. Uh, it's a short version, but I interviewed him last uh, January just to, uh, you know, to see, like, this is before everything exploded. He was doing great, mm -hmm. but before this explosion happened, you know, of, uh, of what can only be called internet, you know, uh, indie wrestling. Um, and a lot of it is because the talent is so unbelievable on the circuit, you know, and they're not all in WWE, you know, so... Um, you know, he had uh, come in and I did an interview, and he borrowed the coat for a thing he was doing uh, with ROH, and um, he was bringing the coat back to me, so I had it, like, behind me, and we had it hung up, and at some point he brought that story up about the cigars and, and the coat, and, and I said to him, I said, you know, uh, I was telling my wife that, you know, this coat, you know, when I die, it's, it's in the will to give to you. And he's like, oh, and, I, and then Brendan's like, when you die, you need to give it to him now. He'll enjoy the hell out of that coat. He's have it now. You can borrow it from him. I thought, hey, you're right. So I said, so the coat yours, and totally, you know, took him off, took him off guard. He didn't see it coming like the diamond cutter. That's awesome. You know, uh, so it was a really cool moment. And, uh, you know, I'm just super proud of him, you know, what he's doing. You know, like a lot of people are, when this first happened, they were in shock that, that this could happen and it could even turn into what it's turning into. Sure. But I wasn't so much. You know, I knew how amazingly popular and strong the Young Bucks were. Like, they're the only ones that have those, um, those what are they, those, those little fathead dolls, Fungos. Funko, Funko. Yeah. They're the only guys that have them that, you know, that aren't in WWE. Yeah. Now, I would imagine that you'll see, you know, a bunch of the other boys get it now, too. Oh, from, sure, yeah. You know, from Omega <laughs> to whoever. But um, for right now, they set a whole different tone. First guys to get in Hot Topics. Like, these guys have major loyal following. Yeah. And then for Cody to come in and then to take him in as a brother, well, you know, that's... Uh, it's, it's, it was really strong just for that whole leap thing. And uh, like I say, a lot of people, they were shocked because no one saw this coming. And when I heard that he was putting the, the goal out there, I tell people all the time, just don't think it, ink it, write it down, burn it into your brain. That's how I've achieved every single thing in my life. And Cody challenged, uh, you know, Meltzer, I'll take your bet. We're going to draw 10,000. Bottom line is... Uh, when he was a junior, he was a sophomore, I was getting ready to go to WWE. And I, I, I was at Turnbuckle with Dusty, and I was putting on my boots, and he was there. I said, when are you starting football, bro? And actually, I always used to call him Young Buck back then. Yeah, that's, and that's kind of crazy, yeah. right? I said, so when are you starting uh, football practice? He's like, I'm not going to play football this year. I go, you're not going to play football? He's like, no. He goes, I want to focus on wrestling. I'm going to, uh, not this year, but my junior year, I'm going to win the state champs. I'm going to be state champ. He went 48-0 that year. And then the next year, he lost like his 11th or 12th match. And I called him up, hey, bro, what's up? I knew what the deal was, you know, but I didn't want to sell it. And he goes, I lost, Dallas. I have to lost. I was like, thank God. 
<laughs> he was like, what? How, why would you say that? I said, Cody, you think you learn by, by winning? Learn by losing, bro. Learn by falling down, making mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. What did you learn from this? I said, would you rather have met that guy in the quarterfinals been 44 and 0 and he stuffed you? He goes, no. I said, exactly. I said, now you know his game. So I flew out for both of them, his junior year and his senior year. I was there for the, for the finals. And he faced that kid. And I was in the stage with my daughter, Brittany. And he's, he goes, Dad, get Dallas down here. And they put me out on the ringside. He ate that kid alive. Won two right. state back-to-back -back state championships. So when Cody Rhodes puts his mind to something, when he walked away from WWF, he's probably making half a million dollars a year. I don't know exactly what it was. It was a lot of money. Oh, sure. For you to walk away from that, to believe in yourself, that's a Sly Stallone move. That's a Diamond Dallas Page move. Yep. That's something when you believe in yourself and you put it all out there and go all in. Yep. You know, if anybody understands all in, it's me. Absolutely. You know, so he's recreating it with these bucks. And I look, you know, Matt and Nick, class acts, man. And they're family men, they're good people. So, you know, it's really going to be interesting what happens over this next year. Yeah. This is the beginning. It's the beginning. Yeah. Well, we're excited to see what happens tonight at All In. And uh, thank you very much. Appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Appreciate you spreading the word about DDPY and let people know you do it and it works for you. Absolutely. It's, it's been your pleasure. It has been. See you. Thank you. So one of the key players in the NWA World Heavyweight Championship match was Cody's wife, Brandy. You talked to her, didn't you? Yes, at the press conference. Yeah. So why don't, why don't we take a listen to that as well, uh, and then we'll talk about the match. Take a listen again? Well, of course. How, what, are we going to watch it? No, no, let's listen to it. All right. A lot of people have asked me why am I not in the women's match. And it had nothing to do with my injury because we started playing in this way before I became injured. But... When I thought about it, I just thought about this card as a whole, and I didn't want people to think that this was a, a nepotism thing or a just friends, like all, all our buddies are going to be on the show. No, this is going to be one of the best shows you're ever going to see. So in that case, I'll go on record and say the four females that I selected for that match I think will do a better job than I did. Um, they won't be able to do what I do True. at ringside at these matches, but they, they serve the purpose in that role better than I could. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, Josh Harnock from the After Chat. Uh, my question for you is when you left the WWE, um, because everybody always talks about when Cody left mm -hmm. and, and, you know, him obviously coming out, he was Cody Rhodes. He could come out and, and you know, start working these dates. What did you think was going to happen? And I don't mean that to demean your position at all, but coming from doing the announcing and stuff, where did you expect uh, did you expect that you would be here at something like this uh, and so soon? Right. So um, that story, a lot of people tell it a lot of different ways, and they're all pretty favorable, so I never really argue um, as far as the leaving goes. But um, I was poised to leave before Cody. That's the oh. truth. I had told Cody a month before my contract was coming to an end, and I wasn't happy. And uh, I didn't think I could, we could reach a spot where I would be happy, so... Why continue? So uh, I was actively trying to figure out what do I want to do next and thinking that my husband was going to stay, um, which gave me a world of options. Well, I sit on my butt for six months, <laughs> you know, <laughs> wait, wait and see what, you know, what, what really works for me. And then when he told me, hey, I'm leaving too, 
that kind of lit a fire under my butt. Um, and either way, I, I'm, as everyone who knows me knows that I can't not work, I can't not actively be doing something. The housewife position is just never going to be for me. Uh, but it definitely helped motivate me to, all right, let's actually focus. Let's find out what are you passionate about? What is it that you weren't getting there that you're looking to get in life in general? Um, and so it was kind of a finding myself moment and I found myself in wrestling, which is great. <laughs> I, I wasn't wrong in the first place. When I stepped in, I just stepped in into the wrong role, I think. Thank you. Sure. Um, we've seen the journey with Cody and how he's, you know, put all this together and everything. What's that been like for on your end, you know, seeing him go through all that with him in the box? Um, it's been two things. So, um, as his wife, I know I know what I think Cody is capable of, and um, I will tell you. A lot of the things that he did on his own here, I did not think he was capable of. Not because he's not a, a super smart guy, he's someone who, he focuses on one thing and then the rest is noise. Whereas me, I'm like the joke of the woman that can watch multiple channels at the same time where men, they have to watch one channel. I, I can be doing 30 different things and still be fully focused on all of those. So I thought. He, he's going to be calling me any second to take over half of this because he's not going to be able to handle it. He spit off more than he can chew. But I was very pleasantly surprised to see that he had it. And today even, today, I mean, the day of is, is sometimes the most frustrating day. Fires come up out of nowhere. You got pulled in a hundred different directions. And he's cool as a cucumber and just completely in his element. So it was actually a, a good surprise to me to see him this way, um, as opposed to just focused on his wrestling. Uh, Rick Rich from uh, Voices of Wrestling. So you mentioned the, kind of the hardships of, of today and all the stress going on. What was probably the hardest part of this entire process? Because obviously you've been there, you know, in the background on it and, and in the forefront for most of it. What's been the hardest part about this whole year journey or whatever, you know? Oh, man. Um, I feel like the, the hardest part probably for the group as a whole, I guess, was to trust each other. Um, there's so much that goes into this and uh, kind of this core group of people that I'm so lucky to be around, we learn that we can trust each other, that if somebody says they're, they're, they're here and they're in it, they are and there's no side noise that we don't know about. And if there is side noise, we bring it to the table all together. So I kind of learned that we, we have a real family here and I've never felt that in any other work situation that I've ever been in, which is pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, it, it's coming from entertainment in any category, it's very difficult to trust people. Um, when somebody smiles in your face, you have to wonder when they walk away, was it genuine or not? And um, it's always nice to at least be surrounded by a few people that you can can feel comfortable with, um, as opposed to our whole group, which is great. Thank you. Awesome. Anything else? I think. Yeah. Hey, Brendan. Mike Lucci with the Ringer. Um, when you, you already touched on women's match off the top, for you setting aside, you know, your involvement and I guess putting it together and being behind the scenes, just what's the significance of the fact that? Not only is this the biggest independent show of all time, but there's a priority to make sure women's wrestling is on the card and had prominent women in a prominent spot here as opposed to just could have done path least resistance and said, let's just put the, put the dudes with the 15 highest Twitter accounts and go from there. Right, yeah, no. Um, I think uh, this, this time in wrestling is very important because it's a time that's stepping away from 
what I call politics. Um, it's stepping away from some things that women have had to do in this sport that um, are unfavorable to me. Um, I, and hey, it could also be why in some areas of the sport I didn't succeed. But I am never one to believe in um, having to spend time with someone because of my gender. You either like what I bring to the table or you don't. I don't have to sit with you and have a drink for you to decide. You either like my talent or you don't. Um, we're in an area where that's real. So I don't have to like Britt Baker. I didn't really know much about Britt Baker, to be honest, <laughs> before this. But uh, I knew what I liked about her wrestling. And I knew that I wanted that to be a part of the show because she works hard. Because Britt Baker does not have high numbers as far as social media goes and things like that. There are people who I could have chosen above her. But I'm impressed with her work ethic. I'm impressed with her background. She's a doctor. <laughs> you know, like, this is gr that's great. Um, so I decided uh, she reached out and said, hey, I think what you guys are doing is fantastic. I, how can I be a part of it? And I was just like, you're first in line, in my opinion, to be a part of it. So once we get this thing going, um, the women's end of it, I want you there, you know? So I think it's great and important that we're at this, this time period where people don't have to think, oh, to get what I want, who am I going to have to sit next to and talk to? And who am I going to have to let buy me drinks? And who am I going to have to stay out with until 2 a.m., though I really want to go to sleep? <laughs> you know, they can just focus, women, we can focus on performing and being us and doing what we came to do. Um, I never thought that we'd see a time like this. And we even are seeing in Hollywood and entertainment that things are changing because people have spoken up and said, hey, whether or not this is right or wrong, this is what happened. And uh, I didn't enjoy it. And then more people are coming in and saying, hey, I'm with you. So I think in the women's wrestling realm, if we can continue to be like this, we don't all have to love each other, but we should all have each other's backs. And as far as our talent should speak for us, nothing else should have to. As far as All In goes, what's, we know what's happening today. And then what's the future look like? Can you, well. Uh, <laughs> That's a fantastic question. I can't really tell you anything specific, but what I can tell you is that today, tonight, in this building, things changed. Um, no matter what happens, things have already changed um, for the entire wrestling landscape, which is great for all of us. Um, and uh, I think that this year is going to be very important for talent, for fans, um, for organizations. And it's just going to be something that we should all drink in. Uh, I think especially fans shouldn't fight each other over it. Um, you like what you like, and that's great. But all that's happening is more of it's coming. So don't fight each other if this guy likes one thing and you like something else. Be glad you have the choice to like these different things. And be glad that you have something in common with someone. Because there was a period of time where, in my lifetime, I've said to people, hey, did you watch wrestling? And they went, Who's what? what? You watch wrestling? That's weird. That doesn't really happen anymore for me. People are always like, yeah, no, I heard about this wrestling show. And yeah, so it's wonderful. We're, as a community, fans, talent, everyone, we are in this all together. So we should just always support each other, especially in this coming year. It's so important um, that we keep wrestling as the forefront, wrestling, this business, this thing that we all love so much. Let's just keep loving it and supporting it how we do and not tearing each other apart over how we support it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah.
Yep. Blackjack Brown. Um, how long have you been following wrestling altogether? In my entire life? Yeah. Okay, well, um, I remember watching wrestling as early as four years old. My brother was a huge wrestling fan, and he and my dad would watch wrestling. And back then, um, Coco Beware was my favorite wrestler because of Frankie. Um, <laughs> and um, my brother was a huge Ultimate Warrior fan, and we would just watch wrestling all the time. That was our, our delight. Um, I did not grow up in any form of privilege, so we didn't get to go to Disney a lot. We did, we, but we got to watch pay-per-view wrestling, which was super cool. We got banned from watching wrestling because my brother had a fit over some, I think it was a Hogan Macho Man match that didn't go his way. And he threw stuff in the house and we got banned from it. Um, so once that was over, that was over for me. Cut to my college years. I went to the University of Michigan and for some reason I took a, a feminist class, women's studies class. And um, I felt really good about that. <laughs> uh, we, in the class, one day watched a Monday Night Raw. And in it, Trish Stratus was barking like a dog on her knees. And then they cut to a bra and panty match in a mud pool. And I was like, oh my gosh, what happened to wrestling? This isn't what I watched as a kid. I can't believe this. So I turned against wrestling at that point. And I thought, well, this is a disgrace. I, had, I don't want anything to do with it. Cut to five years later, a call from WWE saying, we hear that this girl used to be a figure skater, a steam figure skater, all this stuff. We have a, her look, we like it. What does she think about wrestling? And I was like, ah, well, the last thing I saw was this thing in this women's studies class, and I don't think I can represent that. And I was made aware that it completely changed, turned into a PG company. Um, I watched my first SmackDown that week and fell in love with it. I saw Rey Mysterio come popping out, dressed like uh, Captain America, and the crowd go crazy, and he ran down the ring, and the rest is history. I've been a huge fan ever since. So really, it was uh, my little years, I was a big fan. Then I kind of was anti for a while, and then here we are again. What does your brother say now about your involvement? He's here tonight. Uh, he's extremely excited. He's here with my niece, who's nine. Uh, she's a huge wrestling fan now, too, so it's, it's surreal. This is their first time, I think, all seeing me live. Uh, they've watched everything on TV, but they've never been live in the house for anything. Uh, I was supposed to wrestle for a Ring of Honor in Detroit a, about a month ago, but right before that, I broke my collarbone. So, <laughs> so yeah, so this is the big one for the family. So the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. In the Rhodes family, that was probably the biggest prize ever. When Dusty mm -hmm. won that belt, I was there ringside, baby. I was there when they all went into the dressing room and dumped champagne over Dusty's head. Mm -hmm. And I wish they would have done it, by the way, backstage this time. But to see Dusty's son accomplish what Dusty, what Dusty's big dream, what his big American dream was to get that 10 pounds of gold mm -hmm. and to see Cody get that same prize and just the memories, the flashbacks of his father winning the title, to me, it was like goosebumps. Yeah, it was definitely a special moment that I think everybody in attendance uh, felt, and they felt this pretty much throughout the entire night, but especially that moment 
Uh, that match had such a big match feel, even just the way they showed them coming down the hallway. Oh, it was, it was like again, it was like a, a big boxing yeah, uh, match. Yeah, they they, they delivered that beautifully, and uh, you know, I here's my my takeaway on All In. Um, it was one of those those situations where the 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 sum is greater than the parts that make it up. If I'm saying that correctly, yeah, yeah. Um, it was about, I think it was about moments. I think mm-hmm. that that's what the takeaway yes. was. And that's not to say, you know, oh, the matches were bad, there were just moments. No, the match, there were some phenomenal matches yes, on, yes, on the card. absolutely. But I think when I'm playing it over in my head, what has made this show to me so special um, were the moments. And the moments of them coming, of, of Cody coming to the ring. Um, even Nick Aldis, his his entrance as well. The um, world heavyweight champion, uh-huh. sure. The the big match feel that they had, uh, having Earl Hebner as the referee, which I thought was oh, a fantastic. And Tommy Young touch. was backstage yes. too. And uh, you know, I I the moment of Cody, we talked about it earlier, climbing up on the ropes and holding up that belt. Um, and there's a photo that was taken by a British photographer. That almost looks like a drawing. It was so perfect. Yes, him holding that up. I saw that photo. It, I think just, everyone has yeah, seen that. It's it's magnificent. It's amazing, and that was that was what this show was. I think this show was all about these moments. So let's go back to that match, though. Yes. So uh, my feeling on the match was, it was a it was a good match. It was fine. You know, um, I don't think there was anything about it uh, that you would say like, oh my. God, did you did you check? And that's kind of what I meant about moments was there wasn't anything in the match to me that would say, oh, you know, you have to watch this match because at this point he did this. It was more you have to watch the match because of the emotion and the, of and the historical exact, significance exactly. Absolutely, um, and that's not to that I hope is not coming off as though I'm knocking the match in any no, way. No, I'm just saying I don't think there was anything. Um, extraordinary about you know uh, as they say extraordinary about the match um, well but. the extraordinary part of the match was the emotion of Cody Rhodes at the end of that match mm-hmm. when he won the championship I don't think I've seen that type of real deep emotion yeah. from a professional wrestler in ages Yeah, it was like it was like his whole life was spent saying, "This is what I'm going after," and here he finally accomplished it. And to to you, I feel like I've used the word moments uh, more today than I have in my you entire have, life. Yes. But for um, many moments, but in but in that moment, um, that is when when people will tell you wrestling's real. That's what they're talking about mm-hmm. because sure. that moment was not. Uh, that that it, it didn't matter if it was pre-planned, if it was this, if they knew what the finish, no, if they knew whatever. No, it was true emotion. That was one hundred percent real. Yeah, and uh, and and everybody felt that, and that was special. Yeah. Um, uh, a couple of fans actually, when I was asking fans afterwards, um, you know, what did you think of this match? What do you think of that match? Because I wanted to get a, a feel from the crowd, and and. Uh, one of the things that I heard, and when I thought about it, I thought, okay, I, I, yeah, I see where they're coming from, and I'm curious your opinion on it. Um, so Brandy, at one point, uh, threw herself over Cody 
uh, when Nick Aldis went off the top with an elbow drop. They booed the hell out of him. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Um, he hit Brandy with the elbow there. Uh, I'm curious your opinion on that as a spot in the match, but I'm also curious on your opinion of the fact that, and this was something that was brought to my attention, um, that she came back a few matches later uh, to manage... Um, was it who was it she was managing? Jay Lethal. Yes. She uh, no, became no, 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 Elizabeth. No, no, she didn't no, she wasn't managing Jay Lethal. Uh she was managing uh Flip Gordon. Flip Gordon, right. And uh But she was kind of playing Elizabeth. Inadvertently, which right, I, right. can I tell you was phenomenal. You're, it was the Flip fact Gordon, that right. she was like she wasn't playing along with it. Right. She was being dragged into it by Jay Lethal, mm-hmm. by Black Machismo, yes. if you will. Yes. Um and I loved that. Uh yeah, he had an envi- he envisioned that she was Elizabeth. Yes, yes. yes. Um, and I thought that that was just fantastic. Uh, but there was a little bit of uh, criticism of the fact that she came out after a move like that, um, that you would imagine had that happen on, uh, you're watching Monday Night Raw and that happens. Well, she might be off for two weeks. Because she was injured. Because of the injury. Okay, so, was, here's, so the, yeah. here's the mentality. During the match, as you saw when Cody was hurt, mm-hmm. who came down... And started rubbing his back and his neck. DDP. DDP. What is DDP famous for? DDP yoga. Okay, so were you backstage after Brandy got hurt? I was not. Okay. So the assumption, I think, I no assumption. No assumption. I believe that due to the mentality that DDP was able to get Mm -hmm. Cody back into the ring at that point, backstage when Brandy knew that she had to be back out there with Flip Gordon. Mm-hmm. I think DDP used his yoga powers to get her back out there. Well, maybe hooked it up a little bit. Uh, attention, if, you, uh, if, if you're familiar with DDP yoga, which I am, as you know, from the interview we played earlier. Uh, okay, that's an interesting theory. Well, that's and my I'm gonna justification. Go okay? I'm going to go with it. I think we're going to go with it because... You have to we, go with we're it. We're not here to tear anything apart, tear yeah. people down. Listen, um, in all... 10,000-plus fans in there. 11,000-plus. They released the number of it. it So 11,000-plus fans. The the sound, the reverberation. You know what was great, by the way? When Okada came out with the the whole Rain Man, the uh, special effects, the the, the rain. I've never seen anything like that in an arena before. You know what I loved? If I can just jump in there. Please. Uh, Marty Scurll with the... uh, Blocking the Rainmaker uh, with an umbrella. Yes, but it had the all-in logo, the all-in logo on it. <laughs> and I know that's kind of his gimmick, that yeah, umbrella yeah, and stuff. Yeah. But I just, it was like I saw that. I'm like, Great ah, marketing. the umbrella, oh, it says all-in. And it took me like a second. I'm like, oh, my God, he just blocked the Rainmaker with an umbrella. And I yeah. just thought that that was creative. And that was something else that I saw throughout the By the, the way, the fans, night. the yes. fans, like they used to chant out ECW, ECW mm-hmm. or whatever it was. They did, actually, at one all, point. They did Dreamer. at one point, but all-in, all-in. Uh, yeah, all in, and as you heard in the beginning of, of our uh, episode here, the sound of the uh, uh, the elite chanting that, um, be elite, be the elite. Um, it was just, you know, uh, there was so much energy. I had tweeted out at one point about the energy in this, uh, in that arena. And it was just, it was so... It was electrifying, yeah, if you will. Yeah, and it was special to be a part of. You felt yeah. like you were a part of history, and I feel like this is an event... That as the years go on, we're going to look back 
and just say, wow, we were this this was huge. Let's, if there are a hundred all ins after this, this was the first. If there's never another one, this there's was gotta this, be and there will be. be and Cody has already alluded to the fact now, that. Now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We we've got to go now to the biggest shock of the night. Oh my God. Oh my that God. That was my mark out Set moment. Set the stage for us, Josh. That was okay. So you have Pentagon versus which what was the name he was going by it was a different name it was like yeah. a penta said so i don't remember off yeah, the top of my i'm head, not even going to try to i'll yeah. just butcher but, but it but pentagon pentagon, pentagon. Yes. uh so pentagon versus uh the uh mr number one kenny the omega P-W-I-5 yes kenny uh, omega, yes and so omega beats pentagon um and he's you know he's showing off whatever and the lights, the lights go, out. go out. Yeah, and everyone. I don't know now, who did about you the think people. was going to come out. So here's the interesting thing: those lights went out. The people up in in the box where I was, mm-hmm. everybody thought the power went out because I don't know if, if we you did remember too. this or not. We okay, that's too. what I was wondering. Uh, people at home that were watching this probably don't know there was a huge thunderstorm going on. You could outside. hear it at the arena. You could hear it at the arena. I don't think people at home. Uh, I, I don't know if commentary mentioned it or whatnot. Um, and I don't know, for the people at home, maybe you're still hearing the commentary, so I don't know how they played that. But for us in the arena, um, thought it was a power we thought failure. there was a power failure. So there was no picture of Vince like, McMahon oh on the screen God. holding a plug? Yeah, right. But no, we're just like, oh, no, the power went out. And I, I remember even like Wait, saying, wait. Did you think for a minute that maybe the show was hijacked? No, I did, that okay. didn't cross my mind. I a thought lot of it people was, mentioned that to I me. thought it was the that that okay. it was the thunderstorm. A lot of people thought um, that, they, that it was the show was hijacked. I thought to point. myself, we're going to be here all night because these fans won't leave until the lights come back mm-hmm. on. Sure. That was my thought. So the lights come back on. Kenny Omega's kind of leaning on the ropes. He's like, oh, well, there you go. All right, lights are back on. Time to get back to showing off. And because the lights right, were off guys. for a long, they were off period for a of long time. time. Yes. And uh, and there's Pentagon still lying on the ground and. Um, and then all of a sudden he jumps up and attacks Kenny Omega. And so everybody and it was viciously really attacked. And this was uh, and this is not me continuing to put myself over from being up in a in a suite. Uh, but but no, there's a reason I'm saying that. We were far away. You know, you're in the suite and that's really cool, mm-hmm. but you're f- much further away from the ring. You could hear from close to the ring as it as the sound spread as people were starting to notice the tattoos. That's what I believe it was yeah. that people were noticing. Yeah. And it's almost like this roar was coming from the ring, coming at us. And we're starting to, so you're hearing this roar, and we're all kind of like, oh, what's going on? Something's going on. And then he hits the code breaker on Kenny Omega. Never heard a crowd go crazy like that in that my life. That was one of the loudest reactions I have ever heard yeah. live at a wrestling show. Now, remember he had said... That he was never going to work for never another for, in the United promotion States. Promotion for in the United States, other he, than Chris Jericho had said that yes, yeah. and he lifts up slowly, lifts that mask, and it's Chris Jericho. And see you at the Jericho cruise. See you at the Jericho cruise, and just oh man, what a, again? I'm people are going to be tweeting at me about moments, but what a moment that that was the that, moment. And yes. if you really think about this, we have a guy like Jericho that said he'd never. Do mm-hmm. this for another promotion. Do you know how many WWE Hall of Famers were at StarCast? Yeah. Yeah, I mean. A lot of people. It was amazing. Chris Jericho has made a a career for himself unlike anybody else. And, you know, he. I wonder. He has a family. Mm-hmm. When, he's never home. Yeah. 
He's, he's never home. Did you see any pictures from his uh, concert that night? Still wearing the Pentagon yes, I makeup? Did. Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. He went directly from the show. Like, it, it, just, it was amazing. I've um, never seen anyone spread himself so, I guess, not thinly, but just every place. He he's is, in like 10 places had, a night at, his, at the same his, time. his hands in everything. Maybe there's more than one Chris Jericho. Maybe he's a twin. This See, we would have done that in the Chris magazine. Jericho. Yeah, we would have done that in the magazine. You would have. That's absolutely. absolutely I could have seen right. that in the magazine. Um, so, what else do we have to do? We have to talk to talk to uh, talk about here. Um, what else do we have to talk about here? Uh, the women's match. Why don't we Why don't we wrap it up on the women's match? Well, you know, my sweetheart, and I'm I'm saying this because one of my favorite people in the whole world. And I've only known her since her rookie year several years ago and both her uh, both her dads were there Tully Blanchard yes and Magalam DA got to yes. say that like Nikita <laughs> but Tessa Blanchard was so incredible in yes. that match and she's the new impact uh, ladies champion mm-hmm. now as well but I thought the girls match was really good it was excellent and yeah. I had an opportunity at that press conference to speak with Chelsea Green you did beforehand yeah and uh I asked her how she felt about uh, the time she spent in the WWE, um, that she had to leave that big machine to come here. And I won't explain my question anymore because uh, I want you guys to take a listen. So uh, take a listen. As and Bill not just you to. guys, you girls, too. Oh, boy, there okay. we are. Uh, with this uh, being such an important match for uh, women's wrestling and such an important show, how does this rank in the career accomplishments for you? I mean, at this point, I think this is the pinnacle of my career. Um, I was saying this all weekend. I tried to, I've tried to build my career, you know. I, I did the Indies in Canada, I moved on to the US, I moved on to Japan, I moved on to Impact and Lucha and things like that. And this right now is the top. There's, there's no better than this. Um, and hopefully this will open the doors to opportunities that I didn't even know were possible, you know? Yes. tell them not to underestimate the hot mess. A lot of them, I think, they believe that going in there, the hot mess is going to be the easy, the easy target. And that's not the case, because she's got a wild side to her. As far as like, uh, your kind of like cool personality, I think, what do you, what, what's, what are the positives of your two different characters? What do you enjoy more? Which person do you enjoy more? show I'm at and the audience that I'm performing for, what I enjoy more. But I think the best part of having a split personality is that nobody can predict what's going to happen. Nobody can predict the way I'm going to react to something, the moves I'm going to hit. They're two totally different people. So when I go out there, they don't know what to expect. Who are they going to get? You you can't tell until um, I'm kicking your ass. (laughs) And then you know. Originally, I came up with it, but Dutch was really the the kind of mastermind behind um, growing it bigger and bigger and having it evolve into something that everyone could relate to. I sat down um, at Impact for a pre-tape after my match, um, or sorry, after my wedding. I sat down for a pre-tape, and um, we got things got a little wild and. Dutch was like, oh my gosh, this is it. 
Like, look at how crazy you look right now. Your makeup is everywhere. You're sweaty. Your hair is all over the place. We have to, we have to keep going with this. And I'm thinking, okay, okay, that's cool. Um, but six months later, we were still going. And it got crazier and crazier, and we added more things into it. Um, and then it was kind of like a game where every match someone would be like, I think you should try this, or I think you should add this into your character. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna add it somewhere, somewhere where no one's gonna expect it. That's why I have so much fun with it, because every time I go out there, I try to do something different that maybe I saw that weekend, or that someone suggested, or something like that. Do you think there should have been more women's action on the all-in card? Do you think there's not enough women's action on the all-in card? Well, at this point, I'm happy that there's a, a women's match at all. Um, do I always want there to be more women's matches? Of course. Would I have loved if there was a singles match, a tag team match, a multi-person match? Yes. But right now, I'm focusing on the fact that not only is there one match, there's also females that are battling the guys in the battle royal and that right there speaks volumes because we haven't had that yet in this big of an audience right we, re we really haven't um, and so that's why i'm very proud of jordan grace for being able to go out there at that level and compete with the guys as if she is one of them you know yeah kind of a good follow-up uh, do you guys feel any pressure being the only women's match being the kind of lone representation of, of women on the show yeah and i think um a lot of people don't understand how much pressure is on the women because we're the only women's match. But not only that, we have been picked for this match because we are four of the best female wrestlers in the world. I know that. All the girls know that. The audience knows that. So they want to see the best women's match in the world. So that's a lot of pressure. It's, it's a lot to, especially when the girls at WWE are kicking so much ass right now, it's a lot to come out and, and try to one-up them, but we're gonna try. We're gonna try to one-up every single women's match that has ever gone on on the planet, and fingers crossed. Hi, uh, Josh Renner for the After Chat. Um, you mentioned the WWE and the women there, um, and you also mentioned this being potentially the best women in the world in the match tonight. Uh, having spent some time in the WWE, be it a, you know as a physical therapist in or the you know, or in, in the tough enough thing, everything like that. Um, I guess it's a two-part question. First of all, um, are you surprised that in in relatively a short time since then, uh, where you've been able to once you left? I had mentioned before with somebody else how that's the machine, that's the big you know yeah. the big company you have to be to make it, but that you were able to leave from there, and now here you are doing something like this. Um, and the other part of the question would be, uh, do you feel like this is making a statement, the fact that this is being considered the best women in the world right now? Do you feel, maybe, I don't know, vindicated is the, is the right term, but yeah. how do you feel about that? Well, first off, I mean, I'm so thankful for what I was given on Tough Enough, because although I... I think I failed miserably in that sense, being the only female wrestler and not even making it to the top two. But then coming out of it, you know, I have to thank WWE for giving that, me that opportunity because I wouldn't have been seen by stardom, impact, and then from there, Lucha Underground, this, I wouldn't have had the relationship that I'm in. Like, things like that are all because of where I came from. So I'm happy for that. And then on the same note, I'm so proud to be here and be able to look at you guys and say, this is going to be the best female match. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I, I mean, we have some really tough competition. I think like 
Charlotte Flair is amazing, Sasha Banks are amazing, but I guarantee you they're sitting here and they were gonna watch this match. They're gonna watch this and they're gonna think, I don't know if I can swear, but they're gonna think, oh shit, we have girls that are coming up that can do the same thing we can do, maybe quicker, maybe faster, maybe higher, you know? I, I think they're gonna be shaking in their boots and that's what I want. I want all the girls in the world to think that. We gotta elevate each other. So one match I want to talk about. It was the pre-show. Yes. The over-the-budget battle royal. I loved it. I thought it was. I was sitting. I was standing near. Uh, no, I was standing with Billy Gunn, his wife, and his mother. Yeah. And they were like, oh, his mother's telling me, oh, Kip did this, and Kip, you know, his real name was Kip. Yes. So I said, you know, her son Austin was a grandson. Austin was supposed to be in this. I didn't. He see was him. in it. He was okay. Yeah. I was chatting with her, so I didn't get to see. The whole thing. And I said, you know what would be a great T-shirt? A kip off the old block <laughs> instead of a chip. I, just, I told the young bucks, to their dad and their mom, great T-shirt would have been, I'm a buckaroo. <laughs> right? But anyway, that match, you know who I was so impressed. And I, I, for years, I always said that this guy should have been a single competitor in WWE and gone all the way to the top. Bully, Barbara Ray. Yeah, I. You know what? I oh, was really man. surprised when they came back as the Dudleys that it didn't lend itself to a Bully Ray run. Yeah, but it, he um, was so good with this thing. He, he was so excellent. He's. With this. You know, I do a Bully Ray imitation. Of course you do. Did you know that? I did know that actually. You did but know yeah, that. but, but a lot of people don't it. know I do. Well, you gotta, you gotta ask me about an opponent. Uh, Bully or Ray, something. tell me a little bit about uh, how you feel with the ending of the over-budget Battle Royal. If you think I'm going to give you my opinion, what they did in that Battle Royal, I should have won it. I should have won the title shot. All right. Not too bad? Not too bad. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I think that match was fantastic. Uh, my favorite spot in that match was when everybody was on the outside and Billy Gunn and Tommy Dreamer ran like they were going to do yeah. a, a double uh, suicide dive or over the top, stopped at the ropes, climbed in between the ropes, and hit double axe handles off the, uh, off the apron. I thought but that was fantastic. You brought this up, but do you know Tommy Dreamer is the only guy who works WWE, mm -hmm. his own house of hardcore, impact wrestling, all in. He goes everywhere. Yeah, yeah he yeah. does. Yeah, uh, they, they love him. We'll even see him at Modern Vintage Wrestling. We will. Modern yes. Vintage Wrestling. You and I will be doing commentary yes. on September 21st in Flemington, New Jersey. Yes, we will. And we'll be doing a live after chat. Back. Yes, we will do that. And I have, I think, eight books left to sign. Mm -hmm. So if you want a book, be in Flemington. Go to the Modern Vintage Wrestling page on Facebook for full details. So, all right. Um... That, that was a little bit of everything that we had from, from this amazing weekend. What a weekend. You know what? I miss it already. Yeah. It was a, it was a funny thing. It, it, it felt like, I think you may have said it to me when we were walking into the building after, I think we went out for dinner or something, walking back into the hotel and you said, it feels like we've been here for months yeah. um, in a good way. Yeah. You know, it, it just, it felt like it, like you were just so immersed 24 seven in the wrestling world. And uh, one last thing I wanted to say, and this was something I thought was very important. Uh, somebody sent me a text message. Uh, loved the show. They're a huge New Japan fan. They're, they're into all of the indie stuff. Not a big WWE fan. They watch all the time, yeah. but they're not a fan of the product. 
And they said to me, this was pro wrestling. This was like pro wrestling well, at its best. You know what? And I wanted, I, here was my response to them. And I said this to them in general. And, and he and I have kind of gone back and forth a lot where I'll kind of, you know, bust his chops a bit about how obsessed he is with, mm-hmm. you know, uh, New Japan and everything. Um, this wasn't, this wasn't a matter of pro wrestling versus sports entertainment, as I think people often try to say. Sports entertainment is a WWE and the rest is pro wrestling. If you watched uh, the Black Machismo match, if you watched... Oh, for the love of God, the uh, Hangman Page match with, oh. with um, Joey Ryan. Um, the Brigade. The, the, the Resurrection yes. uh, as he you know, downed a, a bunch of Blue Chew and, uh, you know, and the, uh, the uh, Druids, we'll call them, that, uh, that, that accompanied him to the ring. Um, that was sports entertainment. And what I thought this was, this wasn't pro wrestling this was pro wrestling and sports entertainment best of both done worlds. right yeah that yeah. was my feeling on it and that's what i said to him i said this wasn't it was and he agreed with that but it wasn't it wasn't i'm gonna tell you something because of the joey ryan thing mm-hmm. to me this was not what wwe brands itself as family entertainment oh sure sure this was a this was if ecw was still around mm-hmm. and still hot this is more right. of what and that's that would not be what like. I'm saying. I'm not saying that this was PG sports entertainment, yeah. um, but what I'm saying is, and and look, I don't think you need to have a bunch of uh, penis druids to make to to make sports entertainment entertaining. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, I think there were some Black Machismo was a perfect example. I think there were a lot of creative things done in this show um, that I I think. Um, showed hopefully showed the wrestling community that it is not a competition of sports entertainment versus pro wrestling that sports entertainment is pro wrestling that's what this is but but you see there are other companies there are indies out there mm -hmm. that are saying we're pro wrestling and they they wrestle Mm -hmm. it's they they don't do all the shtick right except for the fact that if it's predetermined um if you're going out there and you're playing a character if you're if you're playing the role of a heel wrestler, I don't care how how much your your character is a mat technician, you're entertaining. You're you're it's a sport uh, and entertainment combined. That sports entertainment. Oh, absolutely, um, absolutely. But I do understand when pe- when when wrestlers themselves will say, "I'm a pro wrestler. I'm not a sports entertainer." Um, they're more referencing, I think, the the. Oh, the negatives. The negatives that you'll see on, on television mm-hmm. sometimes. The nonsensical stuff yeah. that will happen. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but with that, Bill, any final thoughts on this weekend? Final thoughts are, this was one of my favorite weekends of my career. And again, I want to thank all the fans that came over to me and thanked me for all my years in wrestling. And you know what? I'm not done. I'm still doing it. Yeah. I'm going to be sitting here chatting forever. Sounds so, good to me. There's only one other thing I can say, Josh. What's that? We'll see you at the matches. <laughs>